What's up, players? Welcome to episode number 64 of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms while we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write anything to be read in the show, go to readyplaynetwork.com or hit us up at Ready Press Play on Twitter and TikTok, or leave it on the comments below if you're listening to this on YouTube. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts and if you like it please leave us a nice review this is april 2nd 2021 i'm your host daniel lima and i'm joined as always by my co-host mr lewis ming you know dan this would have been a very good time to do like a nintendo 64 retrospective because it's our 64th episode good or, point uh, we should have thought yeah. of that we should have thought of that why didn't you bring that up earlier in the week lewis when we're still planning the show why, why, do, why do you put me on the spot like that with nothing prepared <laughs> i know right i just say i'm just being mean as i was like oh it's 64 i was like haha you know that's about it isn't it funny to think about how like it how like the conversation about games and and like the tech behind game consoles has evolved where like at one point it was all about the bits right it was like you know this is an 8-bit <laughs> console versus a 16-bit console or 64-bit console right we don't really yeah. talk like that anymore now it's about the flops right oh yeah that's right i wonder yeah. well, i wonder how many bits we're at now are we at, like 512 bits or something like that or 1028 bits you know i'm gonna know. i'm gonna sound very incompetent right now because that's the kind of thing that you know as a game dev i should definitely know um <laughs> but i'm gonna go ahead and say that i don't know if i understand what the 64 bit for the nintendo 64 really means like does that mean that they had 64 bit um like color or no that 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 doesn't make any sense so i think it's it processing power i think that's what it was it was like right. something like an 8-bit machine had you know a smaller processor than a 16-bit it was double right so so power. if it's if it's because it was a 64-bit processor which now that i'm thinking about it if that's the case that would have, that would have been pretty impressive at, at that point uh i think we're still you know 64 bits but now we have multiple cores i think that's how we started <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it, it would be like nice. multiple cores still, you know, working in 64-bit. But I, I kind of want to look that up, actually, because I feel like I'm not I'm not sure I fully understand what that means. Um, and whether, you know, I think it's being used. I think when we say, like, 8-bit, 16-bit, and then 64-bit for, for Nintendo 64, I think it may mean different things, actually. Um, and the PlayStation 1, its competitor was a 32-bit system. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely good research subject right there. Well, let's let's start the show with some uh, with some quick housekeeping. First and foremost, we did recently do our Halo Combat Evolved spoiler cast, and uh, that has been dropped on podcast feeds all around the globe. Uh, I think later earlier this week. My notion of time is a little bit off a few days ago, uh, and I think it was also dropped on our YouTube channel. You can search for Ready Press Play on YouTube and find our YouTube channel. Uh, if you're watching right now on the Level One Gaming channel, that is not where we dropped the the recording of the spoiler cast. Uh, so you're gonna. Go have to go and find uh, the Ready Press Play channel. Uh, while you're there, just subscribe at it, uh, subscribe to it, give it a like, um, and, and check out that video. Uh, anything the top you want right to add corner. there? The top right corner. I'm gonna put the uh, the card in there. It's gonna like just really show up right there. Yeah, I did you're that actually... last week with the RPM. Oh, I nice. I put the card nice. up, and it just it just uh, popped up when we talked about it, and that's what I'm gonna do here this time. We're just gonna have the card, so you can click on it there, or you can find the link in the description. And if you're a podcast uh, audio listener, you're already on our feed, so it's just the episode that we uploaded before this. So, so you're actually putting some effort into the into the post production of the of the video <laughs> podcast. That's that's very unexpected, especially coming from you. You know what I mean? Oh wow. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did that last week. So, you know, I mean, you know, I, I definitely do a lot of work with the descriptions and the tags and everything. So that's, that's true. literally all I got to do. So That's true. There's that as well.
well. Um, sorry, I just had to send a quick text message here, but I'm going to get back to it. Uh, you know, I hated when I don't. Every once in a while, you're listening or you're watching a podcast or a show or something on YouTube, uh, and then somebody on the on the panel will be like on their phone doing it. Do, do you ever notice that? Does it does it ever bother you? Um, I, I've I've seen it happen before. I've never really too uh, too uh, angered about it or like or agitated by it. You know, as mm-hmm. long as somebody else on the panel is talking, yeah, that's where my attention will be. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, anyway, not to get into on that tangent for too long. Um, is there anything else you want to bring up on our uh, housekeeping section, uh, Louis? No, just uh, just uh, go to the YouTube channel, the Ready Press Play YouTube channel. Uh, I believe if if all things are going well, we're going to be having weekly content on that channel going forward i think we might be going into the realm of of uh ready play movies being the show that you know gets uploaded once a week there so and then on top of that anytime we ever do a live stream which i think i'll be doing some solo streams uh, pretty soon for the ready press play channel all the live live streams will be archived there that's true that's true so yeah we got some ideas there and we'll see we'll see how much we'll uh, be able to get done but yeah at least at least one or two videos a week i think uh or we can we can guarantee are probably going to be coming out there soon um i'm excited to also do some rebranding of the channel as well you know make sure we got a nice banner updated banner in there and all that stuff uh but nonetheless lewis why don't you go ahead and get your sound effects board started so that we can dive into the temple of time All right, so Temple of Time is the segment that we do on the first week of every month here on Ready Press Play, where we look back at flagship anniversaries that are being completed by a variety of different games that have come out in that same month throughout history. Uh, so today we're going to be looking at games that came out in April off, uh, you know, previous years that, that will go like five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, et cetera, and five-year increments to really take a look at uh, how long has it been since we've had some flagship games coming out. So we're going to start looking at five years ago. On April 2016, we had Microsoft announcing the discontinuation of the Xbox 360. Interesting to think about that one. Like that was what, like 10 years, uh, 11 years, actually, after the the release of the console. I guess that would mean, you know, if that applied to the Xbox One that came out in 2014, that would make it, that would mean that it would be discontinued in 2025. Did I get that right? Did I get that right? I think I got that right. I think 2024. It came out in 2013, actually, not 2014. Okay. That's right. That's right. 2024. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if that's the case there. Um, we got the Oculus Rift uh, and the a- HTC Vive released. Uh, Enter the Gungeon came out on PS4 and PC. Job Simulator came out on the Vive. Quantum Break on PC and Xbox One. Bravely Second on the 3DS. The Banner Saga 2 on PC. Star Fox Zero and Star Fox Guard came out oh, on the Wii U. Oh, God. Alienation came out on the PS4 and Severed came out on Vita. Okay, there's some interesting conversation points here. So start with Star Fox Zero and Star Fox Guard. The Wii U's, would you say it was like this, in a way, the send off of the Wii U? Like it was one of the last like big uh, first party games to come out on the Wii U, right? Yeah, besides Breath of the Wild being the swan song, it yeah. was the swan song before the swan song, basically. And mm-hmm. uh, it was definitely dark days for the Wii U at that time, <laughs> I would say. And it's really, it's so, it's so hard to like think about the fact that you know when you're when you have to be a ride or die Wii U game that you have to buy <laughs> Star Fox Zero. 
<laughs> Which you is know, a trash game. The funny thing, Louis, is that I actually bought this game last year. Um, so, and you can buy it new, by the way. You can buy this new still for like 10 bucks or something, which is very unusual <laughs> for a Nintendo game. Like, usually Nintendo games, um, you know, like most other, there's, there's Wii games that you can't buy used for less than 60 bucks right now. You know, that they're more expensive now than they used to be. Uh, but this game, you know, they, they probably just had such a hard time selling it. They probably produced so many of these units that they ended up not selling that it's actually really easy to find for really cheap still. And I, I bought it for collectible purposes. I've never gotten it out of the box still and never tried it. Um, but I do plan on doing it eventually because I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's some level of value to it, even if it's like like analytical value to just kind of see what they were doing with it uh, and what they were trying to do. Uh, I don't know. Did you actually really play? Did you, did you ever really play the game, Louis? Yeah, I actually played the first level of the game uh, mm-hmm. just because, you know, I, I just wanted to try it. I didn't really like the controls. I hated it, but mm-hmm. uh, it was just something that I wanted to try. I think it was really, I think it worked because I think I tried it with my like niece or something like that at the time. And we, was, we were doing the two-player mode. And I think having one player focusing on driving and shooting and other person like focusing on aiming, I guess, something like that, where it's like the controls got divvied up between two people. It actually kind of worked. Uh, mm-hmm. But whenever you're the TV, the whole, the whole concept of looking at the TV and then the screen was just not a good a good pairing i guess right what i would say yeah star fox is such an interesting franchise like i wonder i wonder what it's gonna take for to to get it to go back to its heyday because i feel like i uh, you know you can uh, i'm sure nintendo fans will be mad what i'm about to say but i feel like there's only been like one good like like overwhelmingly considered good star Wars, oh sorry star fox game and it's just been remade plenty of times since then don't you think so which is Star yeah, Fox 64. The Super, the Super Nintendo game of, uh, of Star Fox uh, was the first game in the series. And then the, it was basically remade for the yeah. Nintendo 64. It was a, basically a remake. And then that, the 64, Star Fox 64 is literally considered the best game and probably the only good game in the franchise. But some people will defend like Star Fox Adventures mm-hmm. on the GameCube. If not if not much, uh, the other one, there's two, there was two on the GameCube. And it was, I think Adventures is the first one, which is the one that people don't like. And then there was this, the second one, which we were actually would defend that one. I forgot what, I forgot what it's called but uh it's been remade again on the 3ds star fox 64 3d and then star fox zero was essentially another remake of of the original star fox again so it's like you got you you, they can't seem to go beyond just what they've already done for the first for the first entry in the series yeah it just feels like one of those franchises that has never really been able to make the jump into like i don't know like current gen gaming uh properly but we'll see we'll see if we're ever gonna see Star Fox again. I'm sure we actually we will at some point. Um, you know, let's see what else we got here. So, uh, you know, Sever came way, out on the Vita. I never played note, that game, um, but that's uh, that's a game by Drinkbox Studios. Go ahead. <laughs> Did we just what just happened? Uh, <laughs> what what was up with that silence? Did we get disconnected uh, or what? We disc Discord. Yeah, Discord did that thing where it dis it desynced us. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, go for All it. Right. Go for it. Um, no, it's fine. I was just gonna say that uh, Severed is a game that came out on the PlayStation Vita five years ago, and uh, it's crazy to think that you know in a few uh, months we won't be able to buy it on that platform anymore. Uh, and it's a it's a game I own it. <laughs> It's uh it's a game by Drinkbox Studios who are the same developers of uh, the Guacamole series uh and I I know that it's it's a it it it's a beloved game um so just wanted to give to give that a shout out um 
So I can add to that to the say that you can still probably buy it on on mobile because it got ported mm. to iOS and I believe Android, if I'm not mistaken. But I have it on my iPhone and you can play it like it's completely like uh, based on touch anyways. So it's not like you're losing anything when you play it on on uh, iOS. Um, the one thing I wanted to just go out and say is that why I don't know why, but I kind of feel like everyone uh, still like I hear the the title Enter the Gungeon a lot. Like it almost kind of feels like <laughs> people are considering mm-hmm. it like a brand new game even to this day. Like, oh, Enter the Gungeon is now free on, you know, on Epic Game yeah. Store or something like that or whatever. It's like, it's constantly relevant. And I see it on, on like, uh, on like Nindy's presentation where I think it might have been like Enter the Gungeon sequel got announced or something. So, yeah, just, right. just throwing that out there. Yeah, I've, I've never played it, but I've also heard the name plenty of times. Um, going back further, 10 years ago, so games completing their 10th anniversary in the month of April this year, uh, the PSN outage lasted for 23 days. Oh, damn, that was 10 years ago. Uh, we had Patapon 3 coming out on the PSP, another game that you soon not be able to access in any way. Uh, Rio <laughs> came out on uh, PS3, Xbox 360, DS, and Wii, World of Tanks on PC, Mortal Kombat on PS3 and Xbox 360, which I believe that is the ninth Mortal ninth. Kombat game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then Port Portal 2, a classic on PC, PS3, and Xbox 360. SOCOM 4, US Navy SEALs on PS3. Was that the last what SOCOM game? What happened to that game? franchise? Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, that's a dead franchise right there. Um, I actually remember, like, I never really played much of the SOCOM games, but I remember when it was either me or my brother. We had a PSP. I think we shared it. Um, and one of the games that we had on the PSP was a SOCOM game. Uh, that was my only experience with yep. that franchise. Um, yeah, dude, like that, uh, I remember when that Mortal Kombat game, uh, came out and I remember the hype around it, um, kind of similar to, you know, when, when 10 and, and then 11 came out, um, I feel like that one, you can speak to this more than I can, but I feel like that one, wasn't that like almost like the re, like, I don't know, like the, the, the one that reinvigorated the franchise and almost kind of like rebooted yes. the franchise or tried to? It was a reboot. They did that thing where they did time travel to the first three games in the mm-hmm. series to reboot the, the 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 timeline because the timeline and the 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 the, uh, the official lore has just been so oh, cumbersome and you know like it was just crumbling under its own weight that they just needed to clear the table and so mm-hmm. they did that with uh, Mortal Kombat Nine. That's why they didn't even call it Mortal Kombat Nine. They just called it yeah. Mortal Kombat. Um, of course, you know, you got the whole DLC characters like Freddy Krueger and Kratos and stuff like that. Guest characters are always dope and that's, that's fire. And then that's, I, I want to say, I mean, this is 2011. This might be the first, like, you know, it's not to say that guest characters haven't existed, you know, like, you know, things like uh, Soul Calibur 2 for the GameCube, you know, that kind of stuff. But it kind of feels like this kind of cemented the idea that a good fighting game has to have guest characters. Mm. Uh, you know, every everyone does it these days and stuff like that. Um, but also, I just I just wanted to say regarding uh, Mortal Kombat 9 is that it is basically the the way the best way I can explain Mortal Kombat 9 is it's basically the smash ultimate of Mortal Kombat in the really? sense that everyone was there the entire hmm. cast of any character who's ever been in a Mortal Kombat like game like just the the character select screen was like 60 something characters or whatever like that there was just oh, wow. so many it was just so many characters and i loved it and i part of me kind of wishes that uh like a Mortal Kombat 12 uh comes out and they they go with the roster as huge as that because i i don't know like as, as I guess I'm, I'm in the in-between between competitive and casual where like I demand like bigger rosters, but also at the same time, they balance it with like a tighter roster. I right, right. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, 
Yeah, before we move on, I just wanted to give many shout outs to Portal 2, uh, one of my favorite games of all time and a game that we talked about on the podcast plenty of times. Um, and just like a, a modern class really took what Portal did and elevated it to new heights. Uh, really solid game. Can't believe I, I played that 10 years ago because that, that's the game that I played when, when it came out. So hmm. cool. Now going back further, 15 years ago on April of 2006. We had Odama coming out on the GameCube, uh, or is that what that stands for? GCN? Yeah, that's GameCube, yes. Okay, cool. Uh, Tomb Raider Legend on PC, PS2, Xbox, and 360. Battlefield 2 Modern Combat on 360. Brain Age, Train Your Brain in Minutes a Day, commonly known as just Brain Age on DS. <laughs> uh, Mother 3 on the Game Boy Advance in Japan. Rampage Total Destruction on the GameCube and the PS2. And Ace Combat Zero, The Belkin War on PS2. Um, you know, going back, I was talking about how I got Star Fox for uh, collecting purposes, right? And I, uh, I did that with Brain Age as well. It was a game that I never played and never owned. Uh, and I bought it last year. I found it at a, at a GameStop, complete in box with the menu and everything for really cheap. So um, I just snatched it as one of those collection buys. Yeah, so I want to say to a couple of things. Number one, uh, Odama uh, for the GameCube was the second to last uh, Nintendo produced games or published games uh, for the GameCube uh, with the last one being Twilight Princess. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so basically it was almost their swan song. It's like this, you know, that second to last swan song, kind of like that Star Fox Zero thing. Um, And then also the, uh, those bastards at Nintendo would never give us Mother 3, which is crazy. (laughs) What a tease. They, they put Lucas uh, in, in Brawl, but they never gave us his game. And uh, I actually own a copy of Mother 3. I have a fan translation which is uh like um they gave me like i got i bought a game boy advance cartridge which had a which had mother three which is the unofficial english fan translation so i can actually put it on the original hardware and play it that way that's cool that's uh, cool still haven't played it though but you know it's nice to have i actually uh, also I, I actually didn't think oh, mother ahead. three was uh that recent i i actually i i i've heard about the you know the meme you know like where's mother three and all that stuff but i thought it was an older game because Aren't aren't the other two games like much older than that? Aren't they from the nineties? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Mother for the NES was basically for the NES was the Famicom. It mm-hmm. never came to the West, and then Earthbound, which is Mother Two, that was for the Super Nintendo, and I believe it came out in like ninety nine. It was one of the mm-hmm. later uh, SNES games that got released before the N sixty four came out. I see. I see. Okay. Do you have anything else? Or not ninety nine? I might have been actually no. The N sixty four came out in in ninety six, so it would have been ninety five. Okay, whatever. Anyways, got my got my my dates confused. Uh, but I just wanted to say uh, I saw the cover art for Ace Combat Zero: The Belkin War, and it feels like that game. It feels like I've I've seen that game before. Like I don't know if that's supposed to be like a big title or not, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I know I know just the saying. series. I've never really played it, but I have a friend who's a big fan of the Ace Combat series. He really likes them. So shout out to that. Um, going back further, twenty years ago on april off 2001 snoopy tennis came out on the game boy color dr mario 64 came out on the nintendo 64 kirby tilt and tumble came out on the game boy color the simpsons wrestling came out on the ps1 ill bleed came out on the dc dreamcast and batman calls in gotham came out on the game boy color spider-man came out on the dreamcast and sylphied the lost planet came out on the ps2 
So I just got to say, when I was scratching the bottom of the barrel when putting this list together, <laughs> but also I, I actually looked at what Sylphid, uh The Lost Planet is, and it actually is like one of those arcade shooters. It looked pretty cool. Cool. Uh, so that was, that's interesting. I didn't even know that, you know, they, you had, can have a, I mean, I know that whole thing was like, oh, you can have an arcade at home, but like, I never actually knew that there's something like that exists. It looked like a game I've always, to, I used to play, put quarters into uh, back in the day. Is the Dreamcast um, Spider-Man game the same one from uh, the PS2? Is that what that is? I have no, honestly no idea, to tell okay. you the truth. There's no way to know. So, um, yeah, let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, just want to say that the only two games uh, worth of note is really Dr. Mario 64 and Kirby Tilt and Tumble. Um, interesting, though, is that on the Game Boy Color, with uh, with their like adapter or whatever, that you can have like a gyro control. So, yeah, hmm. that's fun. Interesting. All right. Going back, going back farther back, going back further, going back further. 25 years ago on April of 1996, Barbie fashion designer came out on the PC. Jumping Flash 2 came out on the PS1. The Legend of Oasis came out on the Saturn and Indiana Jones and his desktop adventures came out on the PC. That's such a funny (laughs) game name. I actually think I might've played Barbie fashion designer and I'm gonna, Oh yeah. I'm not so sure if it was that one. I mean, there there were a lot of different Barbie themed games, you know, when when I was a kid. Um, you know, th- this would have come out when I was two, but I, I could very well have found it years later, like I did many other PC games. Um, but I do have memories of playing a Barbie uh, PC game um, in my in my youth and uh, actually enjoying it. So you uh, oh, you do it, you do with that information whatever you uh, as you wish as you wish. Did you play any of these uh, yeah, other games, so- Liz? So I just got to say all of these games, man, like, again, like, this is a, this, I guess April is not a good, uh, I mean, I guess this is obviously a different time, you know, like the, uh, it's only till recently that games could like release on any day of the year and be right. successful. So, uh, I'm assuming that it's one of those kind of things where it's like, oh, it's a dry spell, you know, nothing's exciting is happening. We're going to see a lot of like nothing happening as far as like the, the games industry, but the only title that I'm actually even like, um, even remotely like somewhat rings a bell is the legend of Oasis. I feel mm. like that's like something that I should know. Maybe it was something that was something on the, on the Sega Genesis or whatever like that, but yeah, you know, so, sounds like um, a cult classic kind of thing, right? Like, so yeah. it just sounds like one of those games. Um, so I'm, I'm exactly. going to group I'm going to group the ra- the rest here together um, so that you know we can we can wrap it up here. But nothing uh, nothing of note, according to Lewis, came out on uh, April of '91 or '81. But on '86, 35 years ago, Sega released the Wonder Boy, uh, which was the first in the series on the arcades. And then 45 years ago on '76, uh, Exidy released Death Race to Video Arcades. News of the game's existence broke nationally in newspapers in the first week of July. After, and let me, I'm having issues with my mouse here, sorry. After a quiet nationwide rollout, the game sparks a public outcry over violence in video games. Oh, tales all this time. And it's banned <laughs> in many areas. I bet that includes Australia. And Taito released Speed Race Twin, a sequel to Speed Race that allowed simultaneous two-player competitive gameplay. It was 45 years ago. It was the dawn of gaming in 1976. And uh, yeah, Death Race. I am familiar with that game, actually. Um, Only because of the movie. There was a movie that came out starring Jason Statham, I want to say. I watched that movie. Was that based on the game? Yeah. Oh, wow. Damn. Dude, that movie was nuts. Like I I remember watching that movie as like a teenager or something. And I turned it on. I was like, okay, you know, some like cool like action uh, racing movie. I thought, you know, I'm I'm jumping into some other, you know, Fast and Furious knockoff or something. And then the the movie (laughs) proceeds to be extremely violent and gory. That's what I remember the most. It was just (laughs) unnecessarily insanely gory. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's Death Race for you. So, of course, you know, those like 8-bit, like not even 8-bit, maybe even like 2-bit graphics or whatever were not like, you know, this is 1976 we're talking about. But yeah, everyone, it caught on and uh, it took a couple of months for like the press to get wind of it and stuff like that. And then everyone's on a hubbub about it. So yeah, man, it's interesting that <laughs> something as, uh, as, as a tale as old as time, you know, is just constantly being uh, revisited even to this day, even with the ratings board. No one, you know, everyone's like, no, screw that. We need more than that. We need to ban them. We need to ban GTA. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. We, yeah, we've seen that happen. We see it continue to happen. And we're probably going to continue to see it happen in one way or another in the future. But, you know, we'll see. Now, Lewis, let's move on to while we're playing. So, usually I take most of the time in this segment because, you know, I'm typically playing a lot of different games while Lewis is just kind of playing Fortnite. Uh, but this week I haven't really played anything new. I've continued I've continued playing the games that I've already talked about before. So I'm playing some more Spirit Spiritfarer on the Xbox. I'm playing a few rounds of Fortnite here and there. Not not that often uh, on Xbox as well. I am continuing to play Metroid on the 3DS. Pretty close to finishing that. I'll bring some final thoughts next week when I'll probably have beat it. Um, and uh, continuing to play through the campaign of uh, the you know the story actually mode in Dreams, which is called Arch Dream. And I wanted to talk a little bit just about that. It's like they they so media molecule created this i believe it's supposed to be like two or three hour long uh little campaign experience within dreams and i started playing that and i i'm probably close to ending it i'm not so sure uh where you play as this character named art um which is very you know like art you know because you dream it's an artsy game and it, you know <laughs> it's, it's he's an artist he's a musician um and i think it's it you're supposed to be playing through his dreams and his imagination as you go through these different gameplay segments that play completely different from each other um and kind of understand you know his uh his struggles in life and etc but i actually very much don't like it and uh the that's the interesting thing is that as much as i'm impressed by the tech behind dreams uh this particular showcase off the tech feels a little off to me because the 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 character is just very unlikable um so like your your character of art is just this very like kind of rude and grumpy person uh that's kind of hard to be engaged with throughout the throughout his story um and it also just feels kind of like random which i know is part of the 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 appeal with dreams but i i don't feel like the like the the user generated stuff that i played i had more fun with and just felt like more like weird and unique and interesting uh than the actual stuff that media molecule made uh the stuff that media molecule made has more production value to it uh but i just didn't find it that fun or interesting so i'm a little bit disappointed with that um but i'm probably gonna finish it since it's so short um and yeah that's it interesting okay wow um, that's, it's kind of, uh, I, I, my understanding of like the campaign is like, you know, the developers just kind of media molecule, just kind of like threw things at the wall and see what, see what sticks yeah. kind of thing. Um, I guess there's, there's some pros and cons to it and stuff like that. Cause you know, some people might like other things over others. It's like, they're trying to stuff. show you the different things that you can do in the game. Um, so like you go through, it's like these different chapters and each chapter is almost like a whole different game altogether. Um, but I just, it, it feels, it, it feels like what it is. That, that's the best way to describe it. It's like, um, it's not... It's not like this cool, you know, uh, unique experience that you're going to end and take with you and have some impact in your life, like something like Journey could have been, or even, you know, What Remains of Edith Finch or one of those games. Uh, it feels like just a bunch of, uh, you know, mini games put together to showcase the tech. Um, however, in a not so fun kind of way. So <laughs> that's so that's my criticism of it. I don't think it really 
Like, I guess it does what it's trying to do, but I don't think it does it that as well as it could. Now, Lewis, I really want to hear from you, though. Like, you've had the PS5 now for two weeks. Tell me you've played something other than Fortnite. Oh, yes, actually, I have. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and do my battle bus really quick without doing the sound effect because there's no <laughs> point in making that a segment. Really quick, I just want to say that I I actually went out of my way to start like redoing my presets. I'm at 62 presets right now. <laughs> I unlocked Lara Croft and uh, yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah. And side note, there was a patch for the Nintendo Switch that uh, upped the resolution and also lowered the file size. So there's the battle bus. Nice. Um, nothing really, nothing really more to add to that other than there's your update. Okay, so the um, the game, my game impression for the week is actually going to be Astro's Playroom, and uh, I got to play it for an hour. I got I made time to sit down and try it out. And number one, it it starts off with the controller demo, and there's like the whole like feel the triggers and feel the vibration, uh, touch the touchpad or whatever, blow into the mic and all that kind of stuff. It's very like okay, I'm gonna just put it right there. It's kind of basic, but it was like. I wasn't really that impressed, especially because, you know, this is a lot of, like, Nintendo shit already. So it's like, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, going into the game, uh, PlayStation is trying to out Nintendo. (laughs) Nintendo. So, um... I got to say that there's a lot of cool, like, little, like, you know, touchstones when it comes to, like, the character moving on, like, you know, the different, uh, you know, the different environments. So, like, the vibration when he's, like, walking on the metal metal floor, you can feel every little, you know, thud. And then Mm -hmm. whenever the texture sort of changes when he's on the sand and it feels different. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Um, Then there's also the whole, like, uh, there was a previous, uh, uh, for, like, the VR, there was the... The Astro uh, VR, where uh, you can go to like a little slot machine and pull it and stuff like that, and then they they did they basically brought they ported that over to this game, and then they used it with the triggers, so that way you can feel like the resistance as like the hand is crushing the ball that you you like you uh, pull out from the little slot the little slot machine or whatever. And uh, they're also I just got to say that PlayStation is finally getting up there in years as far as being able to like um, you know play with your nostalgia and stuff like that mm-hmm. because there's a lot of collectibles of like old uh, like a PlayStation. PlayStation 3 disc or a, a PlayStation 3 or a move a PlayStation I or whatever and stuff like that and so there's a whole room dedicated to to displaying all of your merch and stuff like that that you uh, you've collected and it's pretty it's pretty swag because like your your like little living room is like you know being built out as you play the game and uh, I just got to say that there's some also cool little puzzle feature like it reminds me of like that 3ds street pass stuff oh yeah um, there's also the, um, the I just want to say that this game is actually kind of fun like there's some very unique uh, pl- uh, platforming happening as especially in the main hub there's like this i found like this little like random ass uh, little vertical slice and i started climbing up and i'm like oh my god this is some pretty clever platforming and it's like utilizing the space and taking you all over the room and ziplining it through and it's like damn this is pretty nice it's almost kind of feels like it almost kind of feels like they're using like nintendo sensibilities in their in their level design and stuff like that and i i gotta say that i'm impressed by everything they've done with the controller and how how they hide their little collectibles and i i really want to you know platinum this game if there is a platinum i'm sure i'm pretty sure there's a platinum but i got a, i already got a couple yeah. of trophies for stuff you know doing stuff that i would naturally naturally want to do like there's a diving board and i'm like oh you did a high dive here's a trophy and stuff like that and uh also there's a lot of like uh astro uh bots or whatever uh in the in the scenery like reenacting like a bunch of games like i found like there's a cameraman and he's like filming like a a fake kratos and his son atreus and there's one where like metal gear and like you know he's he's uh in the box and a bunch of other uh, funny touchstones and there was a bunch of like little scenes that i i couldn't quite peg it i didn't know exactly what scene they were reenacting at I think it was might have been Resident Evil or something, but it just kind of felt like, damn, this is like they're really going big on the PlayStation history aspect of things. And uh, this game is actually fun to boot. 
So yeah, the yeah. game is loaded with references and Easter eggs. Uh, there's so much cool shit in it, and they go they dig deep with the stuff too. So like, there's there's a layer of things that everybody who grew up with PlayStation should get, or you know that the majority of people will most likely get. But I know that they also have some really deep like Easter egg and references that it's like that are intended for the the hardcoreest of the hardcore, you know, that have played <laughs> every random uh, you know like Japanese game and. They reference, uh, you know, very uh, random accessories that, you know, came out and uh, that very few people had and things like that. It's just it's just this love letter, love letter to PlayStation history uh, in a way that in a game like Super Smash Brothers Ultimate in in the Nintendo side is kind of a love letter to Nintendo history. Obviously, very different kinds of games. Um, And the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is that I feel like there's kind of this interesting trend with PlayStation. I wouldn't even say a trend, but there's something going on there where there is this general belief, especially nowadays, you know, over the last decade, that uh, that Nintendo are really good uh, with families, right? Like they're very, they make very good family-friendly stuff. Um, And that PlayStation goes more for that you know, hardcore audience, they're more like mature audience, uh, you know, they make more like violent, realistic, uh, you know, story driven games. But I, I despite despite that notion, and despite that differentiation applying to the majority of the of the stuff that comes out of consequence for those two companies, I actually find that in, that PlayStation has been doing some progress and making some good shit in that family friendly realm as well, because the PS5 came out with this Astrobot, you know, built in game, uh, which kind of follows that sort of Nintendo ish formula. Then I heard that Sackboy A Big Adventure um, is actually a really good game as well, and that it actually kind of out Nintendo's Nintendo with some of the things that oh. it does. In fact, I, um, I mean, obviously this is anecdotal, but I've heard from people that were playing Sackboy at around the same time that they were also playing 3D World on the Switch that were saying the Sackboy is actually better than 3D World. Now, now, I don't know if I believe that, but I'm just saying that I've seen that thought around. Uh, and then you also got Ratchet and Clank, who, you know, had a really uh, beloved installment on the PS4 with Ratchet and Clank 2016. And now you also got Rift Apart, you know, on the horizon coming out on the PS5. So they're making moves. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's some consolidated effort or if these are all coincidences or if it's just always been like that. And we're just paying more attention to it now. But they're definitely making some moves in that family friendly, you know, platformer realm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now all they need is a knack three and then they're <laughs> and then they're good, right? <laughs> oh, that's yeah. probably not gonna happen. In fact, just because you said that, I just wanna say we didn't cover this in the podcast that we totally forgot about it, but uh Sony has recently kind of shut down a lot of the operations of their Japan Jap- Japan studio. Uh, I don't know if oh, you saw sh- this, Louis. Yeah, so those are the folks that made Knack, I believe, and also a lot of other stuff. They made a lot of great stuff in the past. You know, they made the game Rain, which we did a sharing the love uh for a while ago, and um more recently they were involved with the Shadow of the Colossus remake and a few other things but um the last guardian i think they had some influence in as well um wait they shut down blue point studios no no, no. japan studio oh. Japan oh, japan. Stu- oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay blue point doesn't belong to playstation although people um <laughs> people stipulate that they might uh, soon but um okay yeah anyway um i digress do you have anything else you want to talk about astrobot i mean i know it's a great game i've, I've played it a bit at a friend's house and i've heard plenty about it 
I mean, I think the, it's a very good uh, navigation. You can just press the options button and teleport directly to the place that you want to go to. It even mm-hmm. gives you like a little uh, checklist of like, oh, here's what you collect and here's what you didn't collect kind of thing. I think that's really cool and really good and awesome. And it makes it easier. Like um, I, I didn't try using the cards yet. I saw the cards. I pulled up the menu when I was trying to turn off the game and whatever, or like exit out. And then I saw the cards of what, what I'm doing and what where am I in my progress with like little, like you're 100% or, uh, completed with this task or you're 64% of the way right. done with this or whatever. And I, I kind of, I don't know if I want to use that feature, but it would be, I think I might just because, you know, it's there. And I think it's really, um, I think it's going to be interesting to not have to pull out my phone and go to and, and YouTube something to look like, where is this hiding? You know, that I would do that, but I would try to refrain from doing that. But now it's like built, baked into the actual game. So maybe I might try it and see what, I, you know, where they can Although, just you know, tell me uh, where the collectibles are at. A feature like that is has to be implemented on uh, on the development side, right? Like they need to to set up how those cards get probably you know detected and and how the game realizes where you're at and which tip you should be given at that point. Uh, and I feel like I could be wrong about this, but I feel like the majority of the developers are not going to make use of it, and that it's going <laughs> to end up becoming one of those things that. You know, you look back on at the end of the the console generation and you go like, oh, shit, remember when they announced the cards feature and how, like, we haven't (laughs) thought about it in years, (laughs) you know? Also, also, I think some of the more better cards are locked behind PS Plus, where you have to Mm. be a PS Plus member in order to get those cards. That's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't know about that. All right, Louis, let's move on and talk about the news. And we're going to start here with something that we've been kind of hinting at and talking about throughout the show. Um, but And also something that we kind of covered last week and when it was still a rumor, but now it has been confirmed that uh, PS3, PS Vita, and PSP PlayStation stores are being closed. And we're going to read an excerpt here straight from the source, straight from the PlayStation blog. We are closing PlayStation Store on PlayStation 3 consoles on July 2nd, 2021, and on PlayStation Vita devices on August 27th, 2021. Additionally, the remaining purchase functionality for PSP will also retire on July 2nd, 2021. So quick recap, July 2nd, you can't buy PSP games on Vita anymore, uh, and you can't buy PS3 digital games anymore. Then on August 27th, you can't buy anything on Vita anymore. Um, what features can I use after the closure of PlayStation Store and purchase functionality on these devices? The features you will still be able to access, you will still be able to re-download and play previously purchased game titles. So whatever you have downloaded, you're good there. Uh, you'll still be able to access previously purchased video and media content, and you'll still be able to redeem game and PlayStation Plus vouchers. And you will still be able to re-download and play claimed game titles through PlayStation Plus as long as you remain a member of the service. Features you will lose access to. You will no longer be able to purchase PS3, PS Vita, and PSP digital content, including games and video content. You will no longer be able to make in-game purchases through games on PS3, PS Vita, and PSP. And you will no longer be able to redeem PSN wallet fund vouchers, such as gift cards, on PS3, PS Vita, or PSP devices once PlayStation Store and purchase functionality for these devices close. Your PSN wallet funds will remain in your PSN account but you will only be able to use your wallet funds to purchase PS4 and PS5 products on PlayStation Store, on the web, PlayStation app, or on PS4 and PS5 consoles. And then there's some instructions here that you can go look into if you're interested on this uh, at how to accessing your own game so that you can potentially download them either right now or in the future, even after the store closures. Since you'll still be able to do that, you just won't be able to buy new games. Louis, what do you think? Oh my gosh. Uh, This is, um, there's a... 
We we talked about it when it was a rumor last week, and uh, they told us that by the end of the month they're going to announce it officially. And now here it is. And uh, yeah. I got to say that um, having more time to um, to like sit on it and like thinking about it and thinking about what is exclusive on the PS3 and the biggest the biggest one is uh, the PS1 games on the mm-hmm. the PS1 games that you can play on the PS3 as well as the on the Vita. The Vita mm-hmm. is also a good PS1 emulating machine, basically. And um, it sucks that you know all of this content's gonna go you know just vanish into yeah. into the ether and i was thinking about like you know like these edge cases too because uh apparently like if you wanted to like you know buy up like an actual original ps1 game like uh like actual like complete like you know with the jewel case and the instruction manual like something like a like a like a cult classic or one of those like you know mm-hmm. this thing's had it shine after it was already said and done something like sweet it in two sweet it in two can fetch you over a hundred dollars on ebay like a hundred hundred fifty or something like that um but you can buy it digitally on the PS3 for like 10 bucks, you know, digital prices are going to like really outperform right. the uh, physical counterparts, the aftermarket eBay um, aftermarket, basically. And uh, it sucks. It sucks that, you know, these games are are, are going and um, and this is like a bad day for preservation. And this is also uh, an argument in people's favors that go that go physical. And, you know, and when everyone talks about an all digital future, this is the worst case scenario. And uh, this proves the people's points that saying, you know, going on digital is bad because you know these servers will not be on forever and one day uh, i can probably won't even be able to play my ps plus games on the ps3 or something like that that's probably going to happen in the future yeah um so yeah yeah that was the other thing that i was thinking about like you get so used to having like you know i'm going through my uh my vita library or whatever and so many of those games i own through playstation plus and i don't even know which ones or remember which ones and it's crazy to think that you know at some point you know that service might as well be discontinued from you know the vita and then what happens then right like do i no longer have those games or are they gonna they haven't had to address that yet but they will have to eventually right it will become a question um i don't know man it just the truth is it just sucks and i i talked in the past year about like last week here about how how much i thought this sucks and it sucks i i i said last time that it sucks less for the psp because it's older and a little um and then a little more for the PS3, and it's the worst for the Vita. And I still believe that, but I actually am more stronger in my opinion now, where I feel like it sucks for all of them. Because, so, I started doing some research about this stuff these last few days. Um, and I, I'm doing some research because I want to figure out what am I going to be buying before these things go offline, um, and why. And I want to be able to bring it into the podcast, and I want to be able to make some content about it, like... Which games you should go and get on your PS3 uh, digitally, on your Vita, etc. And the thing that I realized when making that research is actually very interesting. It's things that I didn't, I didn't know. Um, so the first one is that the Vita obviously is a machine that doesn't just play Vita games. It plays games from PS3, from PS1. So, um, actually, there are games that came out on both PS3 and Vita. Then it plays PS1 games, it plays PSP games, and it also has some PS2 games. Um, so it is just as great, like emulator almost for you to play old stuff right um you know you can play like castlevania symphony of the night on and final fantasy 7 and there's a lot of these games that are available in other places but there are a lot of them that are not um now another interesting thing is that the psp specifically if you look at the library of the psp and the the best games that came out on the psp the majority of them never came out of there the majority of the best psp games um are only playable on PSP. They were never ported to anything. They were never like remastered in any way and etc. They're just stuck on the PSP. And those games like 
once the Vita store shuts, the only way that you'll be able to access those games is by buying the freaking UMD discs and running them in the original PSP hardware, which I'm sure will not be easily accessible and and, and might not even, a lot of those might not even work anymore because that's the thing with these old like discs as well that we forget about. Like these discs would get scratched and then not work, right? Like that happened with UMD. It also happened with PS3 discs and 360 discs and things like that. Um, so this idea- I've had two, I've had two PSPs where the analog stick broke. So yeah, yeah, that, that sucks. So, you know, I, I already started looking into that and that actually, I realized that that I, when I started doing my research, that that's going to be my priority actually is downloading PSP games on, on the Vita. Um, because especially cause they're so cheap, like so many of them are like $5, $6, $7, uh, you know, for these PSP in quotes, like classics, um, that, you know, you can't get anywhere else. So I'm going to be doing some of that. As far as the actual, you know, Vita games go, um, a lot of them were brought to other platforms. So a lot of the games that came out on the Vita, they came out on the Vita and then they realized, you know, this is... uh you know, this is not selling enough. You know, this console is not really successful. And then they brought it to PC. They brought it to iOS, whatever else, right? Like they brought it to a lot of Switch. There's some games that are available on the Switch and et cetera. Um, so that's not as concerning. There's a bunch that are on PS4 as well. But you still got a few like hidden gems there that never came out off the Vita. Like uh, you got Killzone Mercenary, uh, which is a Vita only game. You got Uncharted Golden Abyss, uh, which is a main- mainline Uncharted game that, you know, never came out of the, the Vita either. Um, there's a few like there's a bunch of RPGs that are Vita exclusives um, that never came out on anything else either. Um, so there's all these examples. And then on the PS3 side, I actually find that the now in hindsight, I actually think that the PS3 is the one where it's kind of the least concerning because with the PS3, it seems like the majority of the games on the PS3 are still very cheap to get physically. Um, so that's a generation that it comes across like we haven't gotten to the point where the games have gotten really expensive yet. Uh, and then on top of that, um, uh, the most of the noteworthy PSN PS3 games have since been made available on either PS4 or you know, um, PC and other stuff. Um, but you know, it still sucks that you won't be able to play some of those on original hardware in the future if you wanted to. So, um, overall, I just hate that this kind of shit happens. I just hate that it seems like it happens faster every time um, that, you know, companies are less patient about letting things sit um, as I expected they would be like with the Vita, man, like the Vita, um, you know, Severed came out on the Vita five years ago, we just talked about, right? Like, um, and there were still, you know, noteworthy games coming out on the Vita not too long ago. And and now they're closing the, the store and they're closing the store. And what makes all of this worse, too, is that they're doing it with no better solution for backwards compatibility on the newer consoles. Right. With no other way to play these classic PSP games or some of these classic PS1 games, PS2 games, etc. on the newer consoles. Um, so, yeah, dude, I, I you know, I want to keep doing my research. Uh, I think I'm going to end up spending hundreds of dollars in uh, in these machines, uh, just getting everything that I want to get uh, that's going to be stranded in them. I want to make sure I, I get it. Um, and then I'm going to be bringing that as a some form of content into the podcast like you know, here are the 10 games you should get on the Vita before, you know, it goes offline and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So my question, my question is, uh, do you think that they're going to go, they're going to, do you even think Sony is even going to bother doing a going out of business sale where they're going to like, just mark everything down? I would love for that to happen because there's still plenty of games, especially like the actual Vita games, for instance, right? There's still a lot of those that are 20 to 40 bucks. Um, Yeah, I know. That's one of the reasons why I didn't buy many Vita Vita games is because they would hardly ever go on sale. Like, yeah. I would notice that they tend to stay in full price 
price. Like I wanted to buy me like some Dang and Rampa games and stuff like that, but they never went yeah. on sale. And I had them on my list, on oh. like my my wish list. And they they got they got delisted before even we even bought them because remember I'm we so had a new story. Yeah, I'm so happy oh, you brought that? this up because I was gonna say that like on top of that, you know, there's a lot of the games that you were gonna want to buy on the Vita that are not even available anymore because multiple games have been delisted as well. Um, <laughs> like some they're classic, you know, the game Luminous that a lot of people love that was on the PSP and then there was a new version on the Vita. Both of these games are delisted. All the Danganronpa <laughs> games are delisted from the Vita. There's there's a bunch of other examples as well, but those are just the ones that come to mind. But as I was doing my research, I found out that a lot of the games that people recommend, like, oh, the games you should own on the Vita, those are um, no longer available anyway. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it just sucks that, like, we covered it on the top on the, on this very podcast last year where they were going to get delisted and we gave us the dates and everything of when they were going to go. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't even buy them either. So it's like, well, damn, I got to buy them at full price or they or they go. And I'm like, yeah, I was I was waiting for sales and I even added them to my, like, wish list and stuff. And then uh, PlayStation would notify me if they ever go on sale and they never did. So that's one of the things I did notice is, number one, uh, I don't know if the onus is on Sony to, like, just mark all the prices down so that way, you know, they can generate more, more revenue before they shut down. Or they know people are going to just go out and buy these digital games anyways, so why mark the prices uh, down? So, Dude, I wonder. That kind of sucks. Because, like, I, you know, that's what they sh- should do. You know, it would be a great thing for them to do that. It would help the developers. It would, you know, it would help everybody. Um, and it would be nice. It would be a nice move to compensate the shitty move that they're doing right now. But uh, ultimately, it, it sounds too good for something for them, for them to do that. I, I just... I've grown, you know, I've grown very skeptical with Sony about a few things. You know, I'm, I'm skeptical about Nintendo a lot with other reasons. But with Sony, it's like, I don't know, man. I feel like they just kind of don't care. Like, I feel like there's a <laughs> lot of things that they just don't care about. And, and Jim Ryan has been quoted saying that he doesn't care about, old, you know, the older old game games old. and, and yeah. backwards compatibility and all that stuff. He's like, who wants to play these old games on the new hardware? It's like, yeah, well, I, I get your point. That's true. But, you know, if there is some people that do want to play it, then you should give them the option if it's not that that much of an you know if, if if it doesn't i don't know it's it's complicated right like i'm sure there's effort involved i don't want to say like if there's no effort involved but and, and there's a difference between you know like nobody or most people don't really want to go back and play like fifa 2010 in uh 2021 when the, when the game is like an annualized franchise that gets better every year but it's different when you're talking about games that are just unique and different, right? Like, I mean, Uncharted Golden Abyss is not just made irrelevant because there's a new Uncharted game. It's its own story, its own campaign that fits into the story of the other games, right? So those games are still relevant. They will always be relevant, right? Like the... um I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> I, I, I could keep talking about this, but I feel like I, I'm getting to the point where I'm mostly just rambling. There's uh, one last thing that we need to touch upon is that uh, the Sony didn't announce this stuff to like the developers because apparently there were a couple of developers that were developing that still actively making a game for the Vita or games for the Vita. They mm-hmm. found out when this was officially announced and stuff like they had to find they had to find out like this. And because these games are still in active development for the Vita, they can't meet that deadline for, uh, for the shutdown. And yeah. they, now they're they're basically forced to cancel their own game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's besides money spent who, right there, that's money gone. Yeah, with 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 the store shutting down in four months, who would wanna you know who would wanna do it anyway, right? Like your your game's potential of sales are straight up just like that time frame. Now, granted, if a game comes out in like the week before the store closes and it's the last release of the Vita, um, it might get some kind of a boost just because of that, right? Like if they can somehow like spend the 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 uh, 
proper marketing money to make, you know, that that story be covered and everything. Um, but I yeah, at this point, you know, if I had a game in development, even if it was like even if there was a chance that we're going to get it out on time, I just wouldn't because it's like, what's the point at this at this point? You might as well just switch your efforts to trying to put the game on PC instead, you know, just just port it to another platform. Um I don't know, man. It sucks. And then just another uh, part of the story, too. Uh, this was reported by Wesley Ian Poole for uh, Eurogamer. Sony has pulled an old web version of the PlayStation Store that let people still buy old games. Uh, in October, Sony launched a revamped web and mobile store that ditched PlayStation 3, PSP, and Vita games, themes, and avatars. Sony also discontinued the wishlist feature and signaled all items currently on your wishlist would be deleted. However, after disclosure, fans were able to access the old web version of the PlayStation Store and their associated wishlist via region-specific URL that meant people were still able to make PS3, PSP, and Vita game and DLC purchases. This URL stopped working over the weekend, as reported by Reset Era uh, or in Reset Era, and now redirects to Sony's new web store that includes PS4 and PS5 games only. So we didn't. You know, think- now that I think about it, we did cover this original story, the October story, last year in the in the podcast, and it almost kind of like telegraphs this very move. If we did, if we were able to read the tea leaves. So, I know, yeah. and it's. It, I remember us covering it, but I don't remember if we like predicted that this was going to happen, and 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 even if we did, I don't think we would have predicted that it would be so soon. Like, hmm. I still think this is nuts, dude. The Vita is not even ten years old yet. You know, like the 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 Vita. Think about it this way: like the Vita is just uh, roughly a year older than the PS4. And could could you imagine? Could you imagine them closing the PS4 store like at the end of this year or something? Like that would be at insane. the end of next year or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, exactly. Like it's not gonna happen. And uh, I understand the Vita was not successful, and it's kind of like Nintendo with the Wii U, right? Like the Wii U was not successful, so they closed things earlier than they otherwise would have. But I just find it like disrespectful to the people that are still you know playing the console, buying games on the console, making games for the console. I mean, come on, does it really cost that much? Like they're making so much money with PS4, with PS5. Does it really cost that much to just keep these servers running for a little bit longer? You know, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's rough. It's rough out there. Let's uh, let's keep going here. Um, All right. CD Projekt has canceled its standalone AAA Cyberpunk multiplayer game, as reported by VGC, posted by Tom Yvonne. CD Projekt's Red CD Project Red's next AAA title won't be a multiplayer cyberpunk game as previously planned, its parent company said on Tuesday. As part of a wide-ranging CD Projekt strategy update, President and Joint CEO Adam Kaczynski said the company has reconsidered its plans for the game. CD Projekt suggested in January 2020 that its cyberpunk multiplayer project would be its own AAA release rather than Cyberpunk 2077 add-on. And last November, Kaczynski called it a separate dedicated production, a big production adding with Think About It as a standalone product. However, Kaczynski said in a video released on Tuesday, previously we hinted that our next AAA would be a multiplayer cyberpunk game, but we have decided to reconsider this now. Given our new, more systematic and agile approach, instead of primarily focusing on one big online experience or game, we are focusing on bringing online into all our franchises one day. In a conference call held after the initial announcement, Kaczynski was asked to confirm which games are currently in CD Projekt Red's development pipeline. He offered the following response regarding multiplayer titles. Regarding online, we are changing our approach, so we want it to have online on future games. Okay, this is getting repetitive. Um, let's see here. Um, I don't know if this is covered in this article. I think oh, we might be getting to it, or may- maybe not. But in other related, um, you know, CD Projekt Red related news, they've also confirmed uh, the acquisition of a new studio. Uh, they're going to be working on a new Witcher game simultaneously with, you know, the continuous development of Cyberpunk. 
Um, and also they finally released, um, you know, the, the new patch for, uh, for Cyberpunk 2077, uh, 2077 as well. Uh, patch 1.2 is out now for PC and consoles and will follow for Stadia later this week. By the time you're listening to this, it might have already come out. Uh, they have said Cyberpunk's long-awaited 1.2 patch is coming, blah, blah, blah. Um, the announcement included an enormous list of changes, including enabling ray tracing on AMD graphics cards. So yeah, Lewis, lots of, uh, lots of stuff happening, uh, with CD Projekt Red. Um, I was hoping the article was going to get into a little bit more detail about some of this other stuff that's been going on, but I should have picked, I should have picked a more (laughs) all-inclusive article, perhaps. Um, I just, I just got to say that, um, I have the patch notes here pulled up and, uh, the patch notes are, uh, extremely, extremely long. Like (laughs) it just scrolls forever and ever and ever and ever. Like it's a whole freaking book. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I would imagine that that's kind of, I'm still scrolling by the way. (laughs) Uh, I'd imagine, (laughs) I'd imagine that that's kind of what you need to do when there's so much to fix and I'm still scrolling. (laughs) This is ridiculous, but damn. Uh, yeah. So there's just so, there was so much fixes that needed to be happened that it just, you have to like, first off, hats off to them for, for, for keeping track of everything that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I just barely finished, I just barely got to the end. Uh, but yeah, just, um, as far as that, the cyberpunk stuff, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's gonna be another, this was, a, this patch that we're looking at right now is supposed to be, was supposed to be the patch that we were supposed to get in February if it wasn't for the hack. So now I wonder what, what they were going to do to, for the, for the March patch here in April. Uh, that is that. And then the second thing, uh, uh, just going back to the original article regarding the uh, the multiplayer stuff. Yeah, honestly, you got to focus on making the game, the base game, and not really, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you were to try to add multiplayer to Cyberpunk, that you're just pretty much screwed to the point where like it would just break and fall apart. So I think yeah. it's a very interesting way to word it, by the way, when they say that rather than making a new multiplayer project, they're going to focus on adding multiplayer to their existing projects. Um, so what that says to me, there, there's like a lot of interesting things that we can take out of that quote. It's like, I think that they are, um, they are under the belief right now that they wouldn't be able to really sell well a multiplayer only cyberpunk tie-in game in a year. Um, because probably off the disastrous launch of cyberpunk, you think about, you know, how cyberpunk had such a complicated launch with it being a single player story driven, you know, adventure and think about what online games typically launch as right like online only experiences like you know destiny and and other games like that like they usually or avengers right uh, like yeah. they usually launch with a lot of issues and that didn't have to be addressed like if uh if after the disaster that was the cyberpunk 2077 launch if they came out with cyberpunk online in a year uh one people would already be skeptical to if it's not perfect you know people would respond even strongly to that one and that one might actually affect their sales because Cyberpunk sales were not affected that negatively. Uh, well, we don't know what they could have been, but they still had very good sales because ultimately, you know, people didn't know what they were getting into. They went there, they bought the game. Um, you know, if they, depending on which pl- platform they bought it on, they enjoyed it. Depending on which platform they bought it on, they asked for a refund, but ultimately they still made a lot of money, right? However, the people that were burned by this, uh, and the narrative, the media narrative that got burned by this would get them on the next one, right? Like the next one would be the one that would be the most affected because then people go, well, I got burned once. I'm not buying this day one again. I'm not pre-ordering this game again. The media coverage would have been different because people got really burned with the coverage as well. You know, the people that got burned by the game got really upset about the way that the game was covered too. So I feel like journalists would be a lot more 
critical about the way that they cover the game and etc um hopefully in the in the next one so there's all of that like going on right so the truth is like a cyber the way things are right now and the way that things have gone a cyberpunk online game would probably have been doomed to fail in every different meaning of the word um so instead they're probably saying you know what let's keep working on cyberpunk let's focus on this let's make it better we already have you know another witcher game potentially in uh you know pre-production which they're probably aiming to get out in a few years um especially with the success of the netflix show and all that stuff um and you know maybe cyberpunk online will be a patch to cyberpunk that will come out you know maybe next year after they have done so many other patches to fix the game as opposed to being another thing that they're trying to sell you and maybe where they're going to make their money to compensate for that will be with monetization schemes and microtransactions with that online mode that comes in later on to the hopefully by then great base cyberpunk 2077 game um so yeah it just makes sense you know it makes sense that that would be their strategy moving forward they're trying to GTA 5 this. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, people don't remember this, I feel like, but GTA 5 um, did not come out with GTA Online. In fact, GTA Online, I remember, kept getting delayed. Like, I remember it was one of those things where it was like, oh, they're going to add this online mode to GTA 5. And you expected it to come out like a few months after the game came out. But then it didn't for, I think, over a year, maybe like two years. Like, it took a while. I, I almost want to look that up because GTA 5 came out in 2013. And not to mention Red Dead Online was a was a beta when it first released. Yes, yes, there there's that as well. So um yeah, I feel like I feel like their strategy there makes sense. On to the next one here. Um, as reported by Eurogamer by Wesley Inpool, once again, this year's Call of Duty returns to World War II. This year's Call of Duty returns to World War II, according to fresh reports in part verified by Eurogamer. Modern Warfare reported this year's new Call of Duty is in development at Sledge... Oh, sorry. Modern Warzone, a website, reported this year's new Call of Duty is in development at Sledgehammer Games, maker of 2017's well-received Call of Duty World War II, and is due out late 2021. Eurogamer sources have indicated this is indeed true. Modern Warzone also reports this game is codenamed Call of Duty War- World War II Vanguard and reports the name will be changed in the future. While this may indeed be the case, Eurogamer understands Activision's current plan is to stick with the Vanguard subtitle for the final version. Warzone also reports the entire game takes place in an alternate timeline where 1945 wasn't the end of World War II and is set in the 1950s. Eurogamer understands this detail isn't quite right, and Vanguard has a traditional World War II setting. This is a very interesting article because they're they're projecting is like two different reports. It's like there's the report that they're quoting, <laughs> and then there's their report. It's like, hey, they said this, but we actually mean that. Call of Duty games tend to leak before they're officially announced, and Eurogamer has verified Call of Duty leaks in each of the last five years. The headline this time around, though, is Call of Duty's return to World War II. Vanguard It will be just the second World War II Call of Duty released in the last decade, and comes after a modern warfare set in the present day and a Black Ops Cold War game set during the 80s. An open question is whether Vanguard is set for integration with Warzone. Black Ops Cold War was announced within Warzone and its integration into the Battle Royale while suffering from significant problems clearly boosted sales of Treyarch's shooter. With Warzone set for a cataclysmic zombie field nuke event in the near future, one that reportedly will usher in a significant 80s theme map change for Verdansk, the question is this, is Warzone set for a WW2 theme change in the future too? So yeah, Lewis, what, what do you think about uh, Call of Duty going back to World War II? Uh, and also Sledgehammer games coming back into the fold after they were out for a few years. 
Yeah, I know. I just kind of, it's interesting that they, they had like the perfect harmony and then something went wrong. And I guess now they got everything back in order. Mm-hmm. Um, this makes sense. I mean, uh, everyone liked, uh, I, I think Call of Duty World War One was uh, very, very well received. And so, of course, you're just going to go back to what worked. And um, yeah, uh, everyone's going to, I mean, the whole idea of it being like an alternate timeline thing doesn't seem like nothing new. So going to the 50s helps you like put, uh, put more tech or whatever that, or more guns that, you know, weren't really realistic for the 40s so yeah this makes sense i'm not uh i'm not particularly excited i mean i don't really buy call of duty games and if i do i usually buy them years after the fact just to play the campaign Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i played a modern warfare i think last year and that was the 2019 modern warfare and i thought that was pretty good it had a pretty solid campaign really good tech um like very technically impressive um and then i have not played black ops cold war yet for a very simple reason which is I uh, I really want to play that game on the PS5. So that will be like when I eventually get a PS5, that will be one of the games I get for it because I want to I want to try the the triggers in that game. Um, and I think I want to see. I, I heard that game is a good showcase for for that tech. Um, I think the most so you know that another World War II game. Uh, we've had plenty of those, and we're going back to it. And you know the last one from Sledgehammer was like that as well. So that makes complete sense. Um, I wonder how it's going to be connected to the game story wise, if at all, or if it's, this is just a new story. Uh, I could see both ways. I think the most interesting thing here is seeing Sledgehammer back into the fold. Because I think from an analytical perspective, uh, it makes you realize that this game probably had an interesting story going for it. Because, like, a story of the development of the game, not the story of the campaign itself. Because Sledgehammer would have started developing this game uh, in 2017 or after the release of 2017's Call of Duty, right? The expectation, if they continue their, you know, clockwork-like system going on, is that this game would have come out at the end of 2020, right? That, that would have been the game at the end of 2020. Because things were not working out, uh, about this time, I think last year, it was announced that Treyarch was instead going to be releasing a new Call of Duty just two years after the previous one that they released, uh, which ended up being Black Ops Cold War. So they took Sledgehammer's place there, and they they also had the support from Raven, if I'm not mistaken, uh, another studio that used to work on Call of Duties back in the day, and then nowadays is more like a like a co-dev and et cetera with, with an Activision. So... The interesting thing is at that point with your eyes, you know, like, is Sledgehammer done? Like, what's going on there? Like, is is there going to be a new cycle going in here? Is Sledgehammer going to be doing something else? What's going on? And now they're back and here's the game. So this game is probably the game that they already had in development this whole time. It's the game that really this is just a delayed game. If you think about it, like this is a delayed Call of Duty, um, which I is very rare by itself, right? Like, I don't think we've ever had a delayed Call of Duty before. Um, So I think just that already makes it interesting, right? Like, like, what was going on with this game that uh, that made it get delayed? Like, why was this one not finished in the three years that every other Call of Duty gets developed under? Um, and, you know, are they are they doing something really ambitious with it? Are they, you know, is this going to be a next gen only, you know, something that's doing something really crazy with the tech, with the graphics, etc. Right. Like, um, and I, I don't know. I just think I just think it's interesting to think about that. Like, there's something about this game that must make it different than uh, than the other recent Call of Duties. Um either in a bad way or in a good way, right? So I think it's exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, and seeing a proper announcement. We're probably going to see that during E3, you know, Summer of Gaming, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah. was Do you think that uh, last year's uh, Call of Duty was like hella crunched to get to meet the, the deadline? Oh, yeah, probably. I, I don't even know how... Uh, I don't even know how they did that. You know, like, I don't even know how uh, how they were able to pull that off and, and that the game supposedly came out good too. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, All let's right. Uh, let's move on to uh, our final story here on Top News. Over 20 ID at Xbox games are launching day one with Xbox Game Pass. 
was reported by Adam Binkhurst for IGN. Microsoft and Twitch presented the first Twitch gaming showcase ID at Xbox event today, and it featured over 20 games, including Drinkbox Studios' new game, Nobody Saves the World. Once again, we're mentioning Drinkbox Studios in this, uh, in this episode, <laughs> uh, which will be launching day one with Xbox Game Pass. Uh, the Twitch Gaming Showcase ID at Xbox event highlighted 60 games that are headed to Xbox Series X and S, and the 22 of them that will be available on Xbox Game Pass on launch are as follows. Art of the Rally, uh, coming to cloud and console in 2021. You know what? I'm just going to read the game names, and uh, you know the majority of those are cloud and console and some on PC. We got Astria Ascending, Backbone, Boyfriend Dungeon, Craftopia, Dead Static Drive, Edge of Eternity, Hello Neighbor 2, Library of Runa, Little Witch in the Woods, Moonglow Bay, Narita Boy, Nobody Saves the World, Omno, Recompile, Sabi, The Dreams Elsewhere, Stalker 2, The Ascent, Undungeon, Way to the Woods, and The Wild at Heart. Um, Louis, do you want to pick one of those that sounds interesting to you and uh, read the description for me? The only game that I already know what it is is Hello Neighbor 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello Neighbor 2 is a stealth horror game that is all about uncovering your creepy neighbor secrets. I was hoping you would have read that. That's that's what I asked. For, but it's <laughs> oh, okay. sorry, sorry. Um, you know what? There was some. There was one here that I, you know, Boyfriend Dungeon. I think I saw this at an event one time, and this is pretty interesting. A dungeon crawler that is all about dating your weapons. Enjoy the world's best Jack and Slash game. So this is like, Whoa. this is a mix between like a dating sim sort of visual novel type game with the dungeon crawler. Um, and it's uh, really interesting. Um, so anyways, lots. Of st- uh, I've been hearing some stuff about Narita Boy as well, actually. Um, let me see. I'm, I've been scrolling through this article and it's not. There we go. Uh, Narita Boy in this game become the become, in this game becomes the best selling video game of all time in the 80s but a dark secret lives in its binaural code that's a very bad <laughs> that's a very bad description right there that sounds very confusing um anyway point is xbox did the showcase showed uh, a shit ton of different you know little indie games that are coming out to their platform uh, and especially you know 22 of them that are coming out day and date uh on xbox game pass what do you think about that louis I mean, that's a big uh, W, I would say. There's uh, no doubt about it. Anything that comes out like day and date with Game Pass is always going to make Game Pass more of a better value proposition because you're not getting old, like like uh, old Netflix style games or whatever. You're getting new, that brand new, uh, that brand new uh, content. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, as far as like uh, the actual like games themselves, I mean, I, I would hope that these... Uh, I don't know. I don't know who wins more. Do like do the indie developers win more, or do does Microsoft win more? I don't know. So, I would say it's a win-win situation. You know, it's uh, as an indie developer when you put out a game, uh, especially nowadays when there's just so much on the market at all times, right? It's uh, it's a big risk because you know you've you've put out this time and effort and money uh, developing your game through a year or two or more, uh, and you finally get it get it done, and you, and you want to put it out and. There is the potential, small potential, that it's going to be a big hit and it's going to get picked up by, you know, news outlets and it's going to review well and et cetera. And, and then you're going to get, you know, thousands uh, and thousands and thousands of people to play and you're going to, you know, make a lot of money. Now, for a lot of developers, that never happens, right? Like for a lot of developers, they put their games out, you know, they either pick up a little bit of traction or no traction at all. Uh, and they get, you know, like 200 sales on Steam. And then uh, that's not nearly enough to to pay for their, you know, time and effort and money spent in the game, investment spent in the game. Uh, so I feel like a lot of indie developers, what's probably going on is that Microsoft is probably, you know, going to them and offering a check. And it's probably a check that it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like a deal or no deal situation, right? Like that game, right? Like where it's like, it's probably not as high as your best case scenario if you put out the game and it was a huge success, right? Like your, your best case scenario 
scenario is effectively, you know, infinite, uh, but it's much better than your worst case scenario. So it's like it, it lives somewhere in the middle of that scale. So I feel like for a lot of indie devs that take those deals, they're probably like, you know what? Let's guarantee, let's guarantee this money right now. Uh, we can still sell units in other platforms. You know, people can still a lot of times buy the game on uh, on PlayStation or Switch or whatever. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're going to get this guaranteed, you know, no questions asked check from Microsoft that allows us to uh, to go and make our next game, right? So, um, and then you're also kind of guaranteed an audience as well, because when the game comes out on Game Pass, there's, you know, this huge pool of people that are likely going to be trying it out. Um, so I think it's a win-win. Now, to be fair, I do not know any of the details of how these deals are made. Um, and I do wonder, you know, I just kind of assume that Microsoft just pays like a flat amount. Um, but I, it could also have something to do with like, hey, like, you know, we're going to give you at least this much. But, you know, if your game gets X downloads, then you get this much more. Or, you know, there could be some correlation with the amount of downloads, play time. I don't know, whatever, whatever metrics they have. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, yeah, um, so that's uh, definitely one of those situations where I'm glad I, I bought or, you know, have a Game Pass subscription. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of funny, though. I think I don't think I've got to actually download anything, and I've been paying it for like two months now. Well, you should <laughs> but get onto dollar, that. So. Yeah. yeah. Actually, no, I take that back. I did download a, uh, a Gears game when I talked about it. So That's true. Yeah, there that's you go. True. Boom. There you go. All right, so let's go through our extra news here. Uh, number one, Mario is dead meaning you can no longer get the Mario 35th anniversary special products as of right now, as of recording. Uh, so if you didn't, sucks to be you. We should have covered this. We should have covered this, uh, <laughs> covered this last week. Um, oh, yeah. And I also, uh, I never got to play uh, Super Mario 35 again. Like, I never, that's true. I never got a win. That's true. That's true. Me neither. Uh, number two, Mortal Kombat movie has been delayed by a week to April 23rd. Uh, number three, The Witcher 3 next-gen version is coming out in the second half of 2021. Number four, Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 code has been lost. Number five, Ratchet and Clank PS4 is getting 60 FPS update on PS5 in April. I believe that is out already, actually. Uh, number six, exclusive uh, Razer confirms high-tech concept face mask project Hazel, which we talked about in the podcast a while ago, will be turned into a real product. Number seven, Resident Evil movie has been delayed to November 24th. Number eight, Venture Beat journalist Jeff Grubb has announced via his Twitch that he had heard Alan Wake 2 is in development at Remedy Studios. Number nine, new DLC for Shark Game Man Eater is coming out this summer. Number 10, 2013 PC game Rust is coming to PS4 and Xbox One on May 21st. Number 11, E3 2021 U-Turns on proposal to put some content behind a paywall. So they're no longer going to be doing that. And number 12, Andro Dunos 2 has been announced for the 3DS and Andro Dunos 1 Plus 2 has been announced for the Dreamcast. What the hell is that, Lewis? <laughs> So yeah, uh, I can just pull up the website here with Gematsu. There's a, there's a. Apparently, it's like one of those shmups. Uh, it's like one of those like, um, it's like a shooter basically, and like a side-scrolling shoot 'em up, as they call them, shmups. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, you, it's a brand new game being developed and made, and it's coming out on the 3DS. Well, the sequel is, and then the first and the second game are are being uh, uh, developed and gonna be released officially with like a like a little like seal of like authentic authenticity, and there's only gonna be 500 copies. Uh, only printed and you can pre-order it now or there's a, it's going to come out like on like uh on different regions uh for different consoles so luckily for like i believe that well actually all three consoles with the ps4 xbox one and the switch they're all region free so you can probably just get them anyways so but yeah no just just for the for a, for the north america it's only coming out on the 3ds and uh and the dreamcast officially um everything else you just have to like get that that european version <laughs> so yeah i just thought it was funny funny that uh a brand new game is coming out for the dreamcast the system that's been discontinued since 2001 yeah that's so. crazy that's crazy right there 
All right, I don't really have anything else to say, actually, out of this uh, other extra news. Like, nothing is really speaking much to me. I always find it fascinating when code for uh, old games is lost. Uh, so I'd love to read some further into that. But uh, that's about all I have there. What about you, Lewis? I'm just glad that I can play Ratchet and Clank 2016 for the first time. You know, I had it on the PS4 since day one. I bought it with the disc and everything, and I never played it. And now I get to play the best version of yep. it. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Good but stuff. yeah, uh, it sucks that uh, code is lost. And uh, also, uh, I'm actually kind of a little bit confused as to why Mortal Kombat would delay just for one week. Like, I need to know what the details are about that. Um, yeah. As far as like, you know, it doesn't make any sense for, you know, you've been marketing a, uh, your, you know, your movie posters, your trailer says April 16th on it and stuff like that. And, you know, what, what could, what, what difference would one week make? But whatever. Um, either way, I'm glad that it's not like delayed to like fall or something or to next year or something. So that's better. Um, I didn't even know a Resident Evil, a Resident Evil movie was even being worked on so that's I'm news pretty to sure me we covered general. it in here actually so <laughs> maybe we might <laughs> probably um but yeah other than that i mean there's really nothing that i uh were particularly like interested in talking about but uh also oh actually i say i will say i will say one quick comment the audacity of the electronics board to like want to paywall something around uh, something about a digital e3 2021 so yeah you know you say that you say that uh but gdc did a digital event last year and uh they either did it or are doing it again this year and it's uh paywalled as well and it's big paywalled like gdc like gdc tickets are usually crazy expensive like your cheapest ticket starts at 250 dollars uh but that doesn't even give you access to the majority of things like the 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 like all access ticket is something like two thousand dollars and you know if you want to get you know if you want to get access to the majority of the talks you need to spend at least a grand and um it's just one of those things where it's like there's a big paywall to it and the speakers that uh, give the talks are not even paid you know they're doing it voluntarily uh it all just goes to like supporting the event um and you know the the organization that then runs it um so you know it would i wouldn't put it past e3 it, 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 and yeah i forgot to get to it but you know they did the digital event and even though it's just you know basically youtube videos that you're are being streamed and you're watching from your home then they still expected people to spend almost the same money the same amount of money to uh, to get that so which is ridiculous <laughs> um now on the so on the e3 side considering that you know usually you can get tickets for e3 now for 200 bucks or something it doesn't surprise me that they would have thought about doing something similar where it's like hey it's digital now but you know we still want you to pay 100 bucks to uh to watch it um so i'm glad that they're not doing that though that's especially for an event like e3 that's that's bullshit it's it's bullshit for gdc too though they should make it more accessible (laughs) um anyway on that note uh let's move forward and uh i'll let you play the next sound effect lewis it's time for topic of the show is this the first time that we're doing topic of the show ever since, with, or with the actual sound effect ever since we did video? Or I, I, I know we didn't do it last week, but you know, no, we've done we've it. We've done it. Right? I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay, I, I can't remember so. how many video episodes we've done already. This feels like this the is third, our fourth one. Fourth, okay. No, our fifth one actually. Fifth one. Damn. Fifth one. Time flies. Yeah. We'll still be hitting like fiftieth like video episode, and and uh, and I won't I won't even I will barely feel it. Louis, the funny thing is that when I passed it on to you to play the sound effect, I didn't know what you were gonna do, considering how long we've been running. I just kind of wanted you to surprise me, because uh, I figured maybe you'd want to you know go straight to like one of the final segments or something like that. But you know, we can still. I, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm still in the I'm still in the groove. I can still uh, keep rocking and stuff. Um, uh, we can make this quick. I don't think we can. End it. We can. I think we can cap it at 15 minutes and still be have a reasonable show. Okay, cool. Sounds sounds so. good. Sounds good. Uh, so, you know, what, what I brought in for a topic of the show here today is this uh, 
uh, this article by Wired. Um, it was written by Peter Rubin, and it's called Five Years After the Oculus Rift, Where Do VR and AR Go Next? A lot's happened since Facebook's first headset brought virtual reality to the masses. Facebook might have been a first mover, but it also wants to be the last one. I don't know how I feel about, you know, uh, awarding that uh, that recognition to Facebook, because they just kind of bought Oculus. They they were the ones that were yeah, already I doing know. shit, right? Um and you know the 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 article is just kind of like a read on you know what has happened through the years and and where VR could be going. So I don't necessarily want to talk about the article. I more just wanted to use it as a conversation starter. You know, it's been uh, five years we had you know the Oculus Rift and the Vive and PlayStation VR, and then we had Oculus Quest and the Quest Two, and you know all the the mobile VR headsets as well. You know, you got Gear VR on. There's the Switch Labo VR thing as well. You know, there's been all sorts of there's, VR things. There was the cardboard VR as well. Yeah, like um, Google Cardboard, right? Google Cardboard, yeah. yeah. All kinds of stuff have happened. Uh, how do you feel? I just wanted to ask you the question. Like, how do you feel about the state of VR right now these last five years? And also, where where do you think it's going? Okay, honestly, real talk, I honestly think that it's going to die. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. I am, I, I, I was a firm believer and I jumped on the bandwagon. I'm like, I got the PlayStation VR day one. I got one of those like plastic, uh, shell things where you can put your phone in and slide it in mm-hmm. and just have your phone on there. And I use like YouTube, uh, VR. Um, I, I was really big on it and I was thinking to myself, man, this is going to be, this is the future. This is next, this is next level entertainment and stuff like that. And to a certain extent it is, it's really cool being like virtually in like in a virtual room and like 3d space and stuff. I think it's really cool to have like, you know, at home concert experiences, especially with COVID and stuff. I think that those are really awesome, but I also think that unless unless this technology becomes super uh, uber convenient with like no cords, no wires, and, you know, I think that, um, you know, it may not necessarily catch on to the masses. I think it might even just stay as a niche product and stuff like that. Like, I don't see, you know, I've, I've tried, you know, I put the, like the VR headset on like uh, on my mom and dad and stuff like that. And, you know, they're cool. They, they like it and stuff like that. They're very like in awe of like the, of some of like the more realistic stuff. And uh, I just don't see that being like a general like audience is like massively like a mass adopting it. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I can see if a situation where it gets better and it gets more like, you know, more pixel, like, you know, uh, pixel peeping and stuff like that, where you're like, damn, this looks like real life kind of stuff. And of course, I mean, that's usually where technology is going to go. But um, I've also been seeing uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about this as well is because there has been more... um, more applications for VR than just gaming and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like porn. You know? So, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. I wasn't going to go there, actually. But there was a story that came out this week that, like, Microsoft landed a, like, $15 billion contract with the U.S. military for, like, 10 years, over the course of 10 years, where uh, they won the bid or whatever. And what they're going to do is, I don't know if you remember, but there, there was the HoloLens. Mm-hmm. There was that HoloLens uh, uh, E3 demo where they had, like, a table, and then the HoloLens, like, created, like, a, a virtual Minecraft mm-hmm. world where you can see and you can like look at the table from any angle. Well, so what they're gonna do is Microsoft bought the HoloLens uh, uh, um, for like you know for the military purposes and stuff like that. So what they're gonna do is they're gonna basically use the HoloLens for training mm-hmm. to like where you can like virtually see like a layout and you can like toggle like different like thermal and like uh, and night vision and all that stuff like that where you can see the bodies and you can see like tactical like layouts of like uh, make you know make the left here shoot here that kind of stuff like basically like three. 3D blueprints and stuff like that instead of like looking at a layout and like a paper map and stuff like that now you have like a full like you know 3D like virtual table and you know very sm- 
smart stuff. It's very like it's very like Mission Impossible, like Tony Stark esque level uh, technology where you think about like the future, and like that's that's some sci fi shit right there. And yeah. I think that that's uh, that's some interesting like technology like application that we didn't really think about. But I guess gaming is just like you know the natural like baby steps that you get you get there. And uh, ultimately though, I'm just not seeing a situation where like unless there's like a Mario 64, which you know everyone thought that that one Astrobot playroom or Astrobot VR was going to be that. But I don't know if there is really going to be a situation where there's going to be a, a Mario 64 for VR. So Okay, so yeah. let, let me start with that one. So the interesting thing is that I feel like uh, we as gamers have created this this theory that, you know, a, a console needs a killer app to be successful and a, a console is successful when it has one and unsuccessful when it doesn't and all this stuff. And I, I used to believe that, but nowadays I don't. And the, the reason why I don't is because I've observed in recent history that a lot of the things that have been successful did not necessarily have a killer app, at least not in the beginning. And there have been things that did have one or had, you know, I don't know, like potential for it and that still didn't succeed. Uh, so I feel like it's kind of almost like an undersimplification of a bigger issue of, you know, marketing and, uh, and, and you know, getting stuff sold uh, and be- making stuff go popular. Let me give you a good example of that. The PS4. Um, I think the PlayStation 4 is such a fascinating console to look at. And it's one that has broken so many um, beliefs that I had before it because the PlayStation 4 did not launch with a killer app. Of any kind. Uh, the PlayStation 4, in fact, did not have um, any majorly successful exclusive for a while. Like, the first PS4 exclusive that was a Game of the Year contender was The Last of Us... Oh, sorry, not The Last The Uncharted 4 in 2016, after the PS4 was already in the market for three years. Now, there was an infamous game before that. There was Bloodborne before that. But those games are arguably more niche. They appeal to a certain audience. They were not system-selling games. Um, and yet... The first three years of the PS4 with no major killer app or huge exclusive uh, sold uh, more than at that time any other console ever had in that time frame, right? Um, so I feel, and a lot of times, you know, we've seen consoles before that come out and have really good games like the Wii U, but just fail to make an impact. And you look at the Switch coming out and having mostly the same games as the Wii U for the first, you know, year or two of its development. And, uh, and obviously not exactly, but, you know, Splatoon 2, which is basically Splatoon and um, you know uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe which was a Wii U game ported and then eventually Smash Brothers Ultimate which you know the Wii U had Smash 4 which at that point was like equally you know you know cool and all that stuff and yet the Switch was hugely successful and uh, the Wii U wasn't um, also Breath of the Wild coming out on both right um, so I don't think I don't know I guess I don't think there is any killer app that could have sold a VR and I feel like if there was then we already got it because we got Half-Life Alex. Uh, which was arguably one of the best games of last year. We got Astrobot Rescue Mission, which was arguably one of the best games in 2018, if I remember correctly. We got things like Beat Saber. We got things like, you know, Super Hot VR, a Job Simulator. We've gotten a lot. Um, and there's a few other ones as well that I'm not thinking of right now, but we've gotten a lot of really good, recognized, critically acclaimed VR games already. And yet VR has still not made that jump from, you know, a luxury um, hardcore item to mainstream appeal. So... I guess my point in saying that is at the end of the day, I don't think it's the game's fault, at least not anymore. Like that, you know, I don't think I don't think VR's uh, success is because 
we our VR's uh, lack of success perhaps is because of a lack of good games um, or lack of a killer app. I think it goes deeper than that, and I think it has to do more with what you said, like inconvenience um, of use is one of them. Uh, people's lack of interest or understanding what it is in a mainstream level is another one. Um, not further development on other applications that are not gaming is another one too. Because I I expected that after VR came out that we're gonna see things like. You know, you were talking about the concert stuff, right? Like, I thought we were going to see a lot more of that than we did. Like, I thought, I thought, you know, every band was going to want to do that in some way. I thought it was going to like, but it, it, it didn't, it didn't get that appeal from those people either. Um, so I don't know, man, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I feel like, I feel like VR's lack of success is like very complicated. It's almost like the world is not ready for it or something. Like, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's hard to say that, you know, anything was done wrong. Um, you know, the technology has gotten better too. Uh, you know, at this point, you know, it's, uh, and, and the other thing too, and I, I'm going a lot of different directions with this. It is a very open-ended question, right? State of VR. The experiences that I've had in VR um, were really cool. Uh, like, I really enjoyed them. I've had really good experiences with it, even from a development perspective. And yet, I never bought a VR headset myself. So, in a way, I'm part of the problem. Yeah. I do not own a VR headset. Any VR headset. Um, and I don't know why. I just never felt compelled to make the jump. Um, and it's also because, like, I just felt like the stars never aligned. And you're you're looking at me like you're, like, you're very, like, confused. Like, you... Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm like I'm looking at you with like a little bit of disdain. disdain, disdain as well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, this is I I would never would have thought like someone who's you know you're I know you like your tech. Mm -hmm. I know you're very uh, curious when it comes to like programming and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it just seems like even just something as simple as phone VR is very like cheap. It's like mm -hmm. a little fifteen dollar piece of plastic. Well, um, here's the other part though. It's like I hate phone VR, and I I say that oh. as somebody that has you know worked on games for you know phone vr i hate that shit it sucks it's so bad it's not what vr is supposed to be that's that's my take on it i i tried it and uh there was a couple of times where i was able to easily demo it and stuff with like some friends or coworkers and stuff like that where you know you just put on a little roller coaster in vr or like there was like mm -hmm. a simpsons vr and like there was even like a whole uh google spotlight vr thing where you had like full-on movies and like there was like a cool 360 movie that i was like a short movie that that was really awesome and uh yeah i don't i as far as like your, uh, the whole technology thing, I mean, it is very like inconvenient. I mean, with the whole like Oculus Quest 2 and stuff like that, like they've been made strides to like, you know, make it so it's, um, uh, you know, very more portable and stuff like that. And I think that's really cool. Uh, but, you know, it's it's still it still have, has its way to catch on. And I actually wanted to say as a, as a quick side note, when we were doing Temple of Time, I actually wanted to say that I completely forgot that the uh, HTC Vive was even a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. So, yeah. Do you think, um, do you think that there's perhaps like a limit of, uh, devices that can, uh, that can be successful at any given time? Like my point is like for a while, I I've heard, I've heard this theory with the games industry that there can only be three big three, you know, like that, you know, if, if a new one tries to join the, there's, there's only, there can only be three successful console manufacturers that the, like the market will not support any more than that. That if a fourth one tries to join, they are doomed to fail or one of the other three are doomed to fail to let the other person take that role. So that's why we had, you know, like we had like Atari and Nintendo and like Sega back in the day. And then Atari came out as PlayStation joins the scene later. And then Sega is out and then we got Xbox and, you know, and then we we've, we've stuck with Nintendo, Sony and Xbox for a while. So is it that we just have so many devices already with our phones and our computers and our iPads and our 
Apple Watches and all that stuff that there's not really that much room for more like and I'm not talking about, you know, me, me or you specifically, right? Like I've been wanting to buy a VR headset for the longest time. I just I just haven't found the right one for me yet. And at this point, I feel like it's going to be the, the PS5 VR one. Um, but for, you know, average, average consumer, like, could it be that they go like, ah, I don't know, like I, you know, I already have all these other things that I got to charge and deal with. Like same reason why people don't buy portables anymore. Right? Like, like I know the Switch is successful as a hybrid, but like this the 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 3ds you know they 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 stopped the 3ds line and and Sony got out of the market for portable systems for a reason right it's like uh, people didn't want to carry phones yeah like people didn't want to carry like a phone in a pocket and a DS on the other they or a PSP on the other they just wanted a phone right like they just wanted the one device that did it all so could it be that you're actually onto something bringing up the mobile VR so so much that you know maybe that's the only way that it could succeed is uh is on the mobile side um because people already have that device you know it's not another thing that people need to buy and set up and think about probably mm-hmm. I, I would say that in general like the uh, the market is very it's not it's not necessarily infinite with like infinite spending and stuff mm-hmm. like that so consumers are gonna like you know like I am think I'm a rare breed of course I don't think like because I buy everything under the sun and, mm-hmm. and everything at the at the high end that's not that's not a normal consumer behavior normal normal consumer behavior is going to tend to be more more uh, prudish or, or, fr- or frugal or mm-hmm. uh, stretching the dollar and stuff like that people have lives and families that you know I don't have any of that <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Um, the, uh, that being said, it makes sense for like people to be very limiting. I mean, even think about it this way. Like I know people who only rock one console and it's not because of like, oh, they hate the other consoles is that they have, they can only choose one. It's like, uh, it's right. like that one very, that one diagram that you, you know, it's like, they, you know, you have a triangle of three things, but you can only pick two or something like that. So it's like, it's that kind of situation. And I think when it comes to VR, I mean, really VR is, hasn't really been sold as anything that's really necessary. And I think it's more of a boutique thing. And, yeah. um, you know, the, when something is niche like that, it's, you have to, you have to find a reason as to why it's so you you want that to be popular. And I don't know if there is going to be a, a use case where it's like, you know, I don't know, it's chicken and the egg thing. And you know, once you have, you know, 3D concerts, you know, maybe that's going to be like a very appealing thing, but you're not going to make 3D concerts a thing unless and enough devices are sold. So it's like, you know. Yeah. Whatever. And here's the other thing, right? Like this pandemic would have been the best opportunity for VR to really take on, right? Or take off. <laughs> And it didn't, yeah. right? That's the thing I'm surprised about. Like, imagine all the sorts of things that you could have had going on had VR taken off, right? Like, had uh, VR really become really successful and a lot of people bought VR in the beginning of the pandemic or something. Maybe we could have had, like, real concerts throughout this whole time frame, right? Like, maybe we could have had things where you, where you pay for it uh, and you get to, like, watch this concert on the front row in VR. Uh, and maybe they're actually even, like, performing it live somewhere, you know, as you're, like, watching it as if you were right there. Like, this was the best opportunity to, to do this that and i i feel like it wasn't it wasn't done enough right not not in a in a way that i heard about it but the solutions were always simpler though instead of going in vr you just do a Fortnite concert yeah or you uh just do uh zoom meetings and stuff like that yeah you know so True. it's something like that's much more convenient and easy something that's on your phone like uh like zoom mm-hmm. the zoom app and stuff like that that's gonna be a much easier uh sell or each easier solution to to give to people yeah. So yeah, that's true. Well, you know, I don't want to go on this much longer. We've been we've been uh, on the podcast for a while, but yeah, my my final yeah. thoughts are basically just that. Like, no, I have not bought a VR headset yet, so I'm part of the problem, despite the fact that you know I'm finally like engaged in the in the community, um, in other ways. 
And I I just keep waiting for the device that is the most convenient, um, affordable, and not owned by Facebook. Um, so like those are <laughs> those are my three you know requirements here. Um, and I hopefully you know like the next PSVR will be that we'll see. Um, and and I think it still has a chance to su- to succeed. Um, I don't think it's gonna be a, a killer app that will do it though. I think it's gonna be more of like. There will need to be million or thousands of killer apps that are just like, mm. you know, that are not even necessarily games. Um, uh, my point is like it needs to become some ubiquitous kind of situation where, you know, if you buy this thing, there's so much um, how there's so much stuff that you can get out of it uh, other than just, you know, playing this the school uh, few like, games or whatever. Um, that's when I think it, it could really take off. Now, whether the market is going to be able to support that, whether it's going to be like a chicken and the egg situation where we never get that because there's not enough people that have it. I'll, I'll, you know, we'll know. We'll see in the future, right? We can we can do this topic again in five years and and see where we're at then. Separate side note mm-hmm. uh, to end this topic is uh, I am re- I got a code from Level One Gaming to review a VR game. Oh, cool! So cool. I have a VR game uh, review, and uh, I'm not going to say the title uh, because I don't know. I am not a no. I personally do not know what I'm allowed to say or whatever. So mm-hmm. I just basically are on the side of don't say anything. Uh, but I can tell you uh, that the embargo lifts on April 14th, which is in two weeks. So by episode uh, 65, I'll have the review published and I can talk about it. Awesome. So. All right, Louis, with that ending or topic of the show, I'm going to let you uh, take over the show and take us home. All right. What are you buying? Okay. So new releases. Just like because it's because it's my turn to do new releases, we're basically at a situation where there is no damn I know, new right? releases. It's like <laughs> there's a good one though. There's a good one, which is the one you're gonna read. Yes. So first up is Lost World uh, Beyond the Page, which is coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on April the sixth. Also on April the sixth is um, Oddworld Soulstorm, uh, coming out on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, and PC. Uh, it says here, witness Abe's horrifying. Cl- uh, conflict with a ter- terrifying new uh, machination, a fresh narrative, a complete story retake, and a complete story retake inspired by our our original tale. A big visual and cinematic leap, aiming to break new ground for Oddworld. Intelligent new mechanics, twisted new devices, enabling highly explosive deviousness. A dark parable that tells an epic tale of a volatile society pushed to its limits. So there you go. That's Oddworld Soul, Soulstorm. So it's crazy that uh, that game um, is finally coming out. By the way, because I think that game has been in development for a really long time. Yeah. Yes, and also uh, fi- funny enough is just a, qu- a quick uh, peek at what's going to happen on Broke Gamers Guide is that it's actually going to be free for PS Plus people, uh, you know, day and date. So yep. there we go. Last up is going to be. Uh, before Your Eyes, which comes out on PC on April the 8th. So those are the new releases. Not a whole lot going on there. Yep. Uh, obviously, Pick of the Week is going to easily go to Oddworld Soulstorm. Uh, like, no like no questions asked. Yeah, I played a, I played an Oddworld game on PC when I was a kid, and I don't even know which one it was, but I had so much fun with that game. Um, and it's like one of my oldest gaming memories, actually. So it's like a potential good sharing the love eventually. I just don't remember it very well. Like, So I kind of want to figure out which game it was based on like the time frame and looking at videos and etc and then go back and replay it now uh to actually see if i have you know the flashbacks to much hot hood and, and things like that so um yeah it's, it's it's a neat interesting franchise 
I think I got like two Odd World games on the PS4 that were like free for PS Plus mm. because like I, you know what's kind of funny is I actually for the entire life cycle of the PS4 I redeemed every single PS Plus game like all of them without missing one and uh, even still to this day so it's kind of funny that I uh, my whole like library and I downloaded them all so my whole like six terabytes uh, <laughs> is, is on the PS4 oh my god uh, okay I gotta go on a tangent about this really quick okay so Vita is uh you know it's the the stores are closing like we covered earlier right so i started doing my research i'm like i want to figure out which games i want to buy from you know psp uh games and vita original games and maybe even some ps1 classics and stuff like that and then i realize that i my memory card in the vita is uh just 16 gigs and i think oh. i don't i'm not sure if that's the one that came with it or if it's one that i got like around the time frame it doesn't it doesn't come with the 16 gig okay no. so it's one that i probably bought around the time that i got my vita but then i i, I figured okay well you know we've we've had conversations about this in the podcast where you know i'm the kind of person that will install the games i'm playing uninstall them when i'm done and then just install the ones i want to play next right so i don't i usually storage is not usually a problem for me to the extent that it is a problem for you that needs to have everything installed at all times however with the shop closing and with me not really trusting sony that much that i'm going to be able to download my games forever i was like okay what if i wanted to have more storage on my vita right now in 2021 and uh it turns out that if you want to do that you're gonna have to spend a lot of money nowadays uh number one um so the vita uses these proprietary sd cards as as you may know uh that you know were were just built for the vita around the time frame sold around that time frame are probably not really produced anymore uh and are sold on the secondhand market at a really they're already expensive they're even more expensive on the secondhand market now at ebay on ebay <laughs> right um number two the biggest yeah. size that exists that seems to exist is 64 64 gigs, which is not even that much right so really if you have a good collection of vita games and some of them are big some of these games are like multiple gigs right um like i, I actually bought uh the jack and daxter collection um today for 10 bucks and uh that's that that itself by itself is three gigs uh the two ps1 classics that i have which are uh castlevania 4 and uh final fantasy 7 are over uh, like between one and two gigs each point is it's pretty easy you know if you start buying some games uh to fill a 64 gig card too so what then <laughs> Yeah. You know? Honestly, like this is what this is what happened to me. Um, I have every every Vita game I have installed uh, on my SD cards. Um, I, what I did was day one. I knew that I'm a digital hoarder first off from mm-hmm. day one. So day one, I bought a, the 32 gigabyte at GameStop when I bought the Vita, like with with it. Like mm-hmm. I just started with the and it came with like the four gig or whatever is what it came with. So I have a four gig card which is empty, and then I have the 32 gig card. And when it when it ran out. I straight up uh, imported a 64 gigabyte card because I bought it new, of course, officially from Sony. And it turns out that they never sold the 64 gigabyte card here in North America, oh. like ever. So you had to import it. And that's how I got the 64 gig card. Do you remember how much you paid for it? It was a hundred. It was like just over a hundred bucks. It might've been like 110. Okay. You can probably get close to $200 for that right now on eBay. Oh, if you damn. Sell. I got it at steel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I got the 64 gig card and what ended up happening was like I, over time, I actually like I what I did is like I migrated everything over from my 32 gig card to my 64 gig card. And then I started rocking with that as my main driver. And then I filled that up and I had to go. I had to eject the 64 gig card, put the 32 gig card back on and started redeeming all those PS plus games. And then I and I uh, I think I have like filled up almost half of it or over half of it. So I think I have like at least eight to 10 gigabytes of free on the 32 gig card. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure like I think I even stopped downloading games actually now that I think about it i think i just started redeeming them without downloading them so yeah. uh yeah 
Damn. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. So, so. like, that's something that I'm going to have to figure out. Um, if I, I don't want to spend 200 bucks on a, <laughs> on a fucking SD card for a console. I might not even ever play again, uh, after already spending money on the games that I want to get. So, um, that's just the price of a Vita. Yeah, I know, dude. It's, it's insane. So I'm probably just gonna, uh, you know, keep, keep my 16 gig card and, and hope that I am forever able to continue to download the games I already own, um, from the store. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Got a selection of good things on sale, Drake. All right. So for the free games of uh, the week for Epic Games is uh, this week, you can get Tales of the Neon Sea, which, by the way, side note, I don't even remember if that was the game that was allegedly free last week. So I'm glad we always say allegedly because <laughs> I would I usually try to remember the titles. Just saying. Uh, but allegedly next week is going to be a 3 out of 10 season 2, which I actually believe that one for, uh, to be the case because uh, 3 out of 10 season 1 was like given out for free, not even as a free game of the week, but just free in general. So I'm, there's no way in hell they're not going to do that. So, um, But for the blurb for Tales of the Sea, it says, Welcome to a world of intrigue and suspicion where humans and robots contend with escalating tensions and mutual distrust and where gangster felines scheme their way to the top of the food chain. Welcome to the... The Tales of the Neon Sea. It looks like a very pixel art uh, uh, game here, look, looking like uh, Fez up in here. Um, but yeah, it looks pretty cool, though. It looks very stylistic. I don't know what else to say about this game. Cool. <laughs> All right. Next up is our PlayStation Plus games were announced for April, as well as the games with gold. Let's start off with uh, PS Plus, because that's more uh, remarkable. Shots fired. <laughs> Days Gone. Yeah, I know, right? Days Gone for the PS4, as well as Zombie Army 4. They're going to be the PS4 games. And Oddworld, the one that we mentioned on the new releases, that's going to be the PS5 game of the month. So uh, it says here that... Um, let's go ahead and talk about... Uh, it says, Odd first up, Oddworld Soulstorm, which we already knew would be... Uh, will be launched on April 6th, and it says here that it's the second chapter in the Quintology with uh, Oddworld New and Tasty and the remake of Oddworld Abe's Odyssey. It's considered the first game in the Quintology. And then also, uh, it says regarding Days Gone, uh, if you're a PS5 PS5 owner, you already have Days Gone as part of your PS Plus collection, but for your PS4 owners that don't have PS5s yet, which I'm pretty sure there's many of you out there, you can get Days Gone as the PS Plus game. I'm probably going to redeem it anyways just so I can have it on my account, but I don't even know what, what, what point that is if it's always going to be part of the PlayStation Plus collection or whatever. So whatever. Anyways, lastly, Zombie Army 4 Dead War. Never heard of it, but there you go. Next up, Games with Gold. Now, this is the part where, like, you know, I probably should have led with this one because it's, you know, it sucks, but <laughs> we'll go with it. Uh, Vikings uh, Wolves of Midgard is going to be free from April 1st to April 30th. And then from April 16th through May 15th is Truck Racing Championship. And then from April 1st to the 15th is going to be Dark Void. And lastly, uh, from April 16th through April 30th is going to be Hardcore Uprising, which... I, I heard people say that the the hardcore uprising is like the the best game of the four, which I I mean whatever I'll I'll take your word for it. You know so, I actually think yeah. I I have owned this Dark Void game at some point. Um, in uh, if it was like an older game, I think I owned it on the PS3. Um, as part of uh, there was this one time where a family member uh wanted to be nice and they went to GameStop and they just bought like a shit ton of used PS3, uh, games and uh, for like <laughs> but like they bought like the cheapest games kind of thing. Uh, and gave it to us and it had all sorts of random shit um uh, and I, I think dark void was one of them uh and like old like sports titles and stuff like that um but anyway that aside i just want to say that 
one of the shitty things with games with gold that we never even talk about is that not only are the games often worse uh, than the PS Plus and just not that interesting. Um, I mean, nothing against these games and these developers, but just, you know, they're not really recognizable games most of the time. Uh, they're also like the delivery method is also more confusing because with PS Plus, it's like, okay, these are the games you get in April, period, right? Sometimes they're not available <laughs> on like April 1st. Sometimes you got to wait a few days, but in general. It's the first Tuesday of yeah, the month is always, it's always the first Tuesday yeah, of the like month. Yeah, it's like here, here are the games that are going to get this month for the majority of the month, right? Or the whole month. Yeah. And with, with Xbox, it's like, well, you got this game from 1 to 30th and then this game from 6th. 16 to May 15th, and then this game from April 1st to April 15th, and then this other game from April 16th to April 30th. Like each one of those four games has a different um like timetable. Time yeah, like yeah. and it's it's confusing because it, like you can't like if you if you're somebody that wants to you know redeem all your games with PS Plus, you just gotta log in once a month and redeem them. With Xbox, you gotta do it in multiple, like if you wanted to redeem all of these games. You want to go in between, like, you know, in the first two weeks of April to make sure you can get Dark Void. Then in the second two weeks of April to make sure you can get Hard Corpse and then Vikings if you, <laughs> you know, if, if you didn't get it before. And then uh, and then also, you know, potentially truck racing between then and May 15th. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, that's also bad. Real talk. Real talk. I'd say that I never missed that on PS Plus, but... I actually missed a couple of like games with golds when back when they was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my biggest regret was missing out on Super Meat Boy for the 360 mm-hmm. because apparently like the PS4 version of the, which I have by the way um, on PS Plus, uh, Super Meat Boy uh, for the 360 had the better soundtrack is my understanding of it. Interesting. So I just sucks that like that that whole like staggered thing is like I constantly had to make sure that my Xbox One never collected dust so that way I can just turn it on, and uh, there were times where I just you know neglected it and uh, there were a couple of misses that i got that i regret like not getting like uh yeah super meat boy being one of them yeah i so. sometimes redeem these games but more more often than not i don't even make a point to do it even if i am playing my xbox series x on that day i just don't i just don't care for it i just uh, like you gotta find you know it's not that convenient to find the menu where you gotta go to do it and then you find it and then you gotta like redeem these games and then it automatically starts downloading them which i don't like um oh yeah i i maintain what i what i've said before where i just I think I think games would go like it's time, dude. Like it's it feels like a dead like I don't know. It feels like this dead uh like horse that Microsoft is just trying to keep alive. Um, and I <laughs> it, you can see the struggle, right? Like you can I just just get it done with. Like a lot of people keep their games, but just just get it done with. I don't know. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got the spring sale happening on PlayStation. Uh, it guessing it. Uh, it looks like more of the same. Like I'm not seeing anything new, but I see Assassin's Creed Valhalla for forty bucks, Ghost of Tsushima for forty bucks, and uh, Red Dead Redemption two for thirty, Last of Us two for thirty, and uh, yeah, it doesn't seem anything too remarkable. I guess No Man's Sky is for some reason. St- Still being sold for sixty dollars, but is being marked down to thirty. So that's interesting. Uh, anything on the spring sale that's actually that you saw that's worth uh, noting? Yes, actually, uh, it's not on the first page or even on any of the few, first few pages. But there's this game called uh, The Pedestrian, which I keep trying to make a point not to forget about. This is a game that wa- that we saw in one of the events last year. We covered the event, whatever it was, in the podcast, and I shouted it out because I was like, "That game looks cool." Uh, which is a game where you play as a little like stick figure in a. Uh, you know, like a, throughout like these traffic signs, you're going from like one traffic sign to another and doing these little platforming puzzles or whatever. Um, and that game came out, number one. And uh, that game is discounted on the sale from 20 bucks down to like 12. Um, so not, you know, like a huge deal out there, but I've been eyeing that game for a bit. So I think I'm going to go and get that. Uh, and you can play that on PS4 and PS5. 
Huh. So, so I just saw when I was scrolling through these pages, I actually found uh, Dreams for thirty for thirteen dollars. Nice. So, I would say it's worth it. I would say you should get that. Yeah. Uh, so then also Dragon Ball Z Kakarot for $24. So yeah, that's a pretty good uh, spring sale happening here. I hope that – I don't see it anywhere on here, but I hope that uh, that, Scott Pilgrim, Scott, uh, that Scott Pilgrim game is still on sale because I need to get that game. Oh, yeah. I got to get that uh, too. Also – also, I just looked, I think that's the reason why I say that I'm in that PS2 game that we talked about that was like turning like 15 years old or something like that. It was like Ace Combat 7. I think that's the same franchise, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, so yeah. So I yeah. saw that on the sale. Anyways, yeah, the spring sale for PlayStation. If you're a PlayStation owner, you're getting a lot of good AAA like PS4 games here, um, including, I see God of War, but that's part of the PS Plus collection, so whatever. Anyways, next up, there's an Epic Games store sale. There's a spring sale happening on Epic Games. By the way, separate side note for you, for Brooks Gamers Guide, we never actually cover, uh, I'm pretty sure there was some Steam sales happening at some point. I uh, I looked for them this time, uh, but I didn't see anything substantial, so, um, so I skipped that, but yeah, we don't do a good job of covering PC game sales, as we do console. Yeah. Yeah, so Steam sales, they're, they're a thing, and I feel like we missed out on some, but whatever. Anyways, um, yeah, Epic Game Store, they got like Grand Theft Auto V for 30 or for 15 bucks actually, marked down from 30 which, by the way, they gave it away for free on Epic Game Store one time, if, you know, mm-hmm. but whatever. Uh, $45 for Hitman 3, I see Watch Dogs Legion for 30 Immortals Phoenix Rising for 30 Um, Yeah, nothing here other than anything here that you want to shout out specifically? What, what's the word that, like, what would be the, like the opposite of a sale, right? Like, cause, uh, what I was going to say is that whenever Watch Dogs Legion and Immortals Phoenix Rising, like any of these Ubisoft games are sold for $60, like, it's almost like that's the, the, <laughs> that's when they're marked up, <laughs> like, as opposed to, uh, you know, them being on sale. Like, it's like, these games are never on sale. They're just very rarely occasionally marked up to $60. Hmm. I see uh, Hades marked down five bucks from from twenty five to twenty. Uh, the Last Campfire from Hello Games for ten dollars. Also, oh, wait, look wait, at wait, that wait, a beautiful ten. Wait, the Last Campfire from Hello Games, developers yeah. of No Man's Sky, that came out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, we talked. We talked about it on like on new releases. Like the Last Campfire is out we? on Switch and okay, everything. Cool, all that cool. stuff. All right, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's for 10 bucks. You can get it right now on Epic Games. Also, I just want to poke, just jab and poke fun at this. There's a Cyberpunk 2077 is marked down from $60 to $54. Ah, oh my God. That's bullshit. That is such a steal. <laughs> such bullshit. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Next up. All right. The Microsoft Store Spring Sale. Man, everyone's like doing spring sales. Yes. Uh, so Microsoft uh, uh, Store Spring Sale, I'm guessing this is through like the digital shop here. Um, yeah. Not, it looks like actual hardware, like hard drives and Surface Pros and stuff. What it, what, what should I be looking for? Um, why don't you move on and I try to find what's going on here? Okay. All right. Last up, there's a GameStop uh, Spring Sale that's going on. So you can find uh, 10%, save $10 on some Nintendo Switch games like Splatoon 2, Mario, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, and Donkey Kong Country uh, Tropical Freeze. I see a five for $50 for anything that's under $20 and pre-owned. So you mix and match there. Uh, so yeah, it looks like, a, and if you like physical games, this is definitely going to be a good sale for, uh, to take advantage of, uh, especially because uh, a lot of the sales that we play talk about here on broke gamers guide tend to be digital sales so yeah 
uh, 50% off uh, for Xbox One games or just games in general, as this is what it says here on this ad. Uh, so yeah, it looks like, let me let me check a look to see how long this sale is running for because I, I, uh, I may want to take advantage. It says here that the spring sale is going on until April the 3rd. So that's basically, you have until uh, tomorrow, the day of this game, this, this uh, podcast releasing, to take advantage of uh, your in-store uh, sale goodness here. So yeah, Dan, back to you. What you got for Xbox? Yeah, so uh, it's it's very similar to uh, to the sale with the with the PlayStation sale and stuff. So they got you know they got some deals for the Ubisoft games, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Immortals: Phoenix Rising, Watch Dogs Legion. Uh, they also got some deals on uh, Forza Horizon Four, uh, Hitman Three. You can get for forty five dollars. That game just came out like uh, last month, I think. Um, then you got uh, Star Wars Squadrons. There's some deals there too. Marvel's Avengers is thirty bucks. Borderlands Three is twenty bucks uh control ultimate edition is 20 bucks um and uh the witcher 3 wild hunt 7.99 so just a lot of different deals with the uh, xbox games um just very similar stuff so yeah we don't we don't need to get you know these these things different different okay. things will appeal to different people but ultimately good time to go and check your uh your digital store of choice and um and see if the games on your wish list are on sale because good chance they are yeah, very more than likely. Like, did like we didn't cover Nintendo here, but I'm pretty sure Nintendo's probably having a spring sale too. So it's like everyone's everyone's on sale, and uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a good time to to snag some uh, some games here. Yeah. All right. I'm almost I've almost been I'm debating finally. Lewis on uh, changing how we cover sales on this show. I wanted to bring this up to you because there's just too much. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like we end <laughs> up just repeating ourselves a lot um, because there's just and it's also the same sales. Yeah, it's like the same sales, yeah. and also like we can't like. I don't know how much value we really bring to people when we say, well, this game is always on sale and this game is on sale when it would probably be better off for them to just kind of go and, and look at it themselves, right? To see what game they care for. Um, so I was wondering if maybe what we should do instead um, is that each one of us brings like one deal that we consider the deal of the week, right? Ah. So, uh, and it could be like, I don't know, it, whatever we think that is like, and it could come from these sales, but whatever we think is like the, the most like... Um, unusual like hey like this game is not on sale often but it is right now kind of thing or this game is really good and it's marked like we down with a dreams. Lot. yeah like, yeah like we do with yeah dreams and, or something like and that. uh yeah. and we spotlight that like almost like uh here's like the ready press play sponsored deal of the uh that we're gonna spotlight <laughs> today or whatever but anyway it's a conversation for another time let's uh all right bring the sucker home yeah <laughs> yeah i'm tired It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Remember, you can reach the podcast at readyplaynetwork.com or simply at Ready Press Play on Twitter or TikTok. Remember to watch us on Level 1 Gaming's YouTube channel. Go and subscribe to that. Give us a like if you're watching it here. Remember, while you're on YouTube, also go and check out the Ready Press Play channel itself. Also give us a subscribe and some likes there on the videos that we have available. Our Halo Combat Evolved uh, spoiler cast is the last thing that we put out over there. We're probably going to be putting out some new stuff as well. I'm on Twitter at the Dan Lima and Lewis at Chocolaka88. That's right. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Peace. <laughs>